in five, four, three, two, one. Who are you? He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. That's what I'm talking about, man. Wait a minute. I know you. Check out the name tag. You're in my world now, Grandma. Yeah, I know that, dude. He's a modern-day Yoda. I'm your huckleberry. Allow myself to introduce myself. Greetings and salutations. We came, we saw, we kicked it down. You're excited. <laughs> Feel these nipples. That boy's good. Good and terrible. Well, I have a microphone, and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! This is the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X. Sportos, motorheads, geek bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. All right. All right. All right, all right, all right. All right, all right. Welcome, everybody. It's Tuesday, January 30th. This is the Mike Rutherford Show. We're coming to you from the world-famous University of Louisville College of Business Studios here in slightly sunnier than yesterday, Louisville, Kentucky. Cards fans, if you want to take your career to new heights, you can do so with an MBA from the University of Louisville. The full-time MBA is an innovative 12-month program that accelerates your career trajectory with convenient in-person evening classes. If you want to accelerate your career without interrupting it, the UofL MBA is the only program to make that happen. It's the MBA that pays. Get started today and earn your degree in just one year. First step is visiting business.louisville.edu. We're on the air today from 3.05 until 6 here on 1450 AM, 96.1 FM, streaming all over the land. You know us better as the Big X Tuesday edition here. A little bit happier than yesterday, still very sad, still still licking the wounds, but it's game day, which is used to be a pick-me-up. Now, probably not as much, but we will try to pick things up for the next three hours here. Scooter Dingus, a.k.a. Justin Kalen, is here. Trey Ryan from Cluckers is producing the show. I don't think I can refer to Trey as, as anything besides Trey Ryan from Cluckers. That's what he is. Yeah. Trey, do you, do you, do you, okay, is it okay if we just say Trey Ryan from Cluckers? No, at this point, I, I'm okay with that. At this point. It's, <laughs> it's been going on for too long at this point. I have to be okay with it at this point. But. He's good with it. That's how. Yeah, it's fine. I, Trey, you know, he's the big man on campus at UofL now. I feel like that's how you have to introduce yourselves to, to like, bars. Like, you go to the Granville. <laughs> hey, this is Trey Ryan from Cluckers. Yeah, at this point, I'm just a full-time employee for them. Just marketing everywhere I go. Just Trey Ryan for Cluckers. You're basically yeah. Bob Vance, Vance Refrigeration. No, that's exactly. a, every time you introduce yourself, that's the way it has to go. Yep. Uh, Scoots, happy Tuesday to you. I know you've been here burning the midnight oil, burning the morning oil, burning all oils at, at Big X Studios. How are you? I'm good. Uh, a little worn down today. I, I'm kind of counting down the hours. I was telling Trey before we came on, definitely counting down the hours to Indiana tonight at 7. So Go I've got, what, less than less than four hours? I'll be on my couch watching my team play some basketball. So, And I was also telling Trey, I kind of want to get your thoughts on this. Okay. As a Louisville fan, mm. it, it might be tough Not to Not a answer. good way to start a conversation so, with me these days. I was telling Trey that I would rather watch my team or rather be able to watch my team than not watch my team at all. But then I started thinking about you. Like, is is that the same mindset for you? Would you – it's not the way I worded it. What do you mean? Not at so I'd rather watch my team and see them lose than you, not get to watch them at all is basically what I said. So if you had to – basically you're saying like – if Indiana could have a forty and zero season, but you didn't get to experience it at all, you'd rather have like a fifteen and seventeen season. 
Yeah. I just want to watch my team. It's a very selfish fan perspective. Just want to watch my team is what it comes down to. Even if they lose every game, I'm just grateful to be able to sit down and watch my team. It it, it is an interesting question. Like, let's say you could somehow guarantee that Louisville was going to win like 15 national titles before, but between now and whenever I die. But I didn't get to watch any of it. Like, this is a program that I love. Clearly, I I would, it'd be like a selfless thing because the, the rest of the fan base gets to enjoy it. But, like, do you really get to? What's the point in being a fan if you don't get to actually watch the games and, and right. fan out? Like, I, I guess in this hypothetical, you could watch replays and stuff. I mean, th- that's the thing. Like, could you get around it by saying, like, I can't watch the games live, but I could watch like a YouTube replay two hours after it's over? Oh, now you're getting into semantics. I know. I, I, I didn't plan for semantics. It, here. If it's just as simple as like you can never watch this team play again, you can only like read stuff. Like, you can't even watch highlights. You can't see anything. Like that would. That that would be tough, but I th- I feel like I would have to sacrifice myself for the better good of the, the overall fan base. I mean, basically, it comes down to: do, Would you rather watch Louisville and see them lose, or not watch them at all? Uh, it's tough I for guess, you, I know. Yeah, I mean, I I guess not watch them at all. But at that point, you're just like nothing. Like it's. But shouldn't you be used to losing at this point? Yeah, I, I mean, but but you have the hope of things getting better, right? Like sure. that's the. If you're just going to lose in perpetuity and you know that, like, what's the point? But also, if you don't get a chance to watch them win, you know, all you can do is read. Like, I, I guess I would take solace in the joy of others, but that would be <laughs> that. Be it. Either way, it sucks. <laughs> Mary can give you a rundown. She yeah, can I mean, watch and give you a rundown. That would have to be it. Like, I would just have to be like, okay, like the fact that you all are this happy makes me happy, and that would have to just sustain me for the rest of my life. And I'd have to get really into like even more into the Lions and the Reds. I guess that would that would be it. <laughs> But that would, be, that would be tough. But, yeah, there's no point in watching your team if they're going to lose always. Like, I, I mean, it does kind of feel that way at this point. It's been three years of it. We keep waiting. I went back and I was reading some of the stuff that, that like, I, I was searching for an old tweet last night. And it ended up taking me, like, back into the, the archives because I was going through, like, all of my like tweets. I was trying to find something. I didn't find it, which, which sucked. But I ended up killing, like, an hour and a half before I, I should have been sleeping. <laughs> but looking at stuff and, and it sent me in a variety of different directions from – like 2020 and 2021. And it's remarkable how like how bad we thought things were <laughs> like 3 years ago. Like you know, we're we're talking about the end of the 2021 season when in the last month or so, like everyone assumed Louisville was going to be in the NCAA tournament. It was just, hey, they're fading here. Like it, it wasn't until I think we got closer and closer to selection Sunday that we looked at our resume and we were like, this is, you know, maybe a little bit dicey, but you know, we're acting like this is the end of the world. We're, we're yeah. acting like only being like number twenty three in the country is the worst thing. Like I, I'm writing all this stuff about Chris Mack's got to pick it up, and, and like and you you fast forward, and you're like, my God, <laughs> like it's just it, it, everything reads so tone deaf now. But I'm sitting here talking about how like it's just not going to hack it, and this is the worst of the worst, and the Piggy season, and and I've never you know all we have to do is get through this, and things are going to be better. Basically, the same things that I'm saying now, except they have more weight behind them because we won four bleeping games last season. And we're sitting here at six and fourteen this year. Well, that's the good thing about this year's team and those tweets that you've sent fired off the last couple of years is literally can't get worse than this. Every time we say that, no, though, I, I'm going to go ahead and say it. There's no way it gets worse than this. I think the only way it gets worse is if you have to somehow like disband the program. Like yeah. if something happened and you're like, okay, we don't get to play basketball at all for two years because like people say, well, you could go winless. It, I mean. Last year kind of felt like going winless. Like, but what's really the difference between four and twenty-eight, no and thirty-two? It'd be the same type of just down and misery. It'd be a little bit more embarrassing, but it's it's all the same thing at this point. I mean, right now is better than last year, but it doesn't really feel nobody's celebrating what's happening right now. 
Uh, speaking of the Louisville, will uh, take the court again tonight in men's basketball, taking on Clemson on the road. Nine o'clock is the tip-off time. You can watch it live on the ACC network. You can listen to it live on our sister station, your new home for Cardinal Athletics. Not so new anymore. 970 WGTK. We'll talk about the game a little bit today. I, I don't like. I, we have this conversation every time a game day comes up. I don't know how interested people are in the actual game anymore. I, I think people are just like, tell me how much we're going to lose by and let's react to it. Do they I, cover the spread? Nobody wants to actually <laughs> talk about the game until it happens and we that something embarrassing happens where it's like, this is unforgivable, and then we all just pile on and we do the thing. I, I do it too, for sure. But it, it's a game. We talked a little bit about this last night. If you were hoping that maybe you were going to get a wounded Clemson team because they had a game over the weekend that they should have won against Duke and it got ripped away from them in the closing seconds by a very, very questionable foul call in Cameron Indoor Stadium, maybe you would think, eh, they'll still be a little bit thinking about that, not focused on Louisville, still you know, licking their wounds a little bit. It's a Clemson team that knows just how bad a loss to Louisville can tank your NCAA tournament resume because last year, you can argue very effectively that the one thing that kept Clemson out of the NCAA tournament more than anything else was a a road loss to Louisville on the night that Louisville was honoring its 2013 national title team. Um, And it was in late February. It was a good Clemson team last year. They won 23 games. They had had a solid resume, went 14-6 and in the ACC. But that one loss, which it's sad to think that a home loss or a road loss for Clemson to a program like Louisville could be a quadrant four loss, but that was exactly what it was. And it came by double figures, which doubly tanks your resume. Like that probably alone kept them out of the NCAA tournament. So you're sitting here in Clemson right now. They've got, they're three and five in the ACC. They, they started nine and oh, they lost to Memphis. They've had a rough run basically since the calendar flipped to 2024. They're just two and five since the new year came around. And you have losses that are understandable, like the one to Duke on Saturday, uh, North Carolina, no shame in losing to them. Even Miami on the road, I know it's a place that some teams can win, like us, but uh, no real shame in that one. But you've also, you know, Virginia Tech beat them by 15. Georgia Tech beat them in double overtime. Um, their only wins are over Boston College and FSU, two teams that aren't all that good. So the resume is a little bit lacking at this point. The thing they have going for them is the computers really like them. The computers still think that Clemson is a good team. They're number 28 in the net. They're number 29 on Ken Palm. And they also have three quad one wins already which is the second most of any team in the ACC behind only North Carolina. Their non-conference performance was good. You know, they beat TCU on a neutral floor, a TCU team that has proven to be pretty damn good. They beat South Carolina, who's better than we thought they were going to be. And they won in a true road game against Alabama, who the, the metrics think is a top 10 team. So Clemson has a good computer resume right now. They can ill afford a loss to a team like Louisville on their home floor. This would, again, be a quadrant four loss that would just tank their NCAA tournament resume. And Brad Brownell, who just keeps hanging by a thread, they just keep giving him the job year after year after year, can ill afford to miss the NCAA tournament with this group of players because he's got a, like, this is as talented as the roster is probably going to be for a few years. He's got PJ Hall, who's an All American candidate, ACC Player of the Year candidate. They got Joe Girard, the sharpshooter from Syracuse, to transfer in, who's one of the best three-point shooters in the history of the NCAA. Uh, Chase Hunter came back, Ian Schifflein. Uh, uh, I think I'm saying his, his last name wrong. He's a junior who stepped up this year and has become a really, really good power forward. Like They've got a good roster. This is an NCAA tournament roster. And if he can't at least guide them to the NCAA tournament, then he's probably going to get the ax. So this is a game, like if you had any hope of them overlooking us, it's probably not going to happen tonight. 
you'll get Clemson being fully focused, I, I, I think, which is not a good news for Louisville. And it's the reason why Louisville is a 16.5-point underdog in this game. So we can talk more about the game as, as the day goes on. We want to hear from you on the Thornton's text line at 502-414-1450. Maybe we can get off the beaten path a little bit today, too. There's some funky stories out there. We have an update to the story about the the guy who had friends over to watch the Chiefs game, oh, and then three sweet. of them died. It. It's a, not, not a substantial update, but it is an update that we can talk about. Um we can get into some other stuff. We, there's some football notes out there. Good news for the Lions today, which was, you know, need a little pick-me-up. Feeling good about that. Uh, Scoots, you do have Indiana tonight. Uh, I know you're you're focused on, well, first of all, what were you guys talking about on KRC today? I, I didn't get a chance to listen to any of it. What, what, what the, were Roush and Walker upbeat? What was going on? What, what's their focus on this? Uh, do you even know on this late January Tuesday? I don't remember what we talked about. I know we brought up Stoops and Cohen. Who cares? Yeah, don't um, I don't remember anything really interesting from today. I just kind of want—I just kind of want to know what like normal fan bases are talking about at this point because what Louisville fans are talking about—it's repetitive. It's starting to turn into like a like we're arguing about the coaching search before the coaching search is even happening. Like, like I would say that the the predominant topic that I've seen over the past 48 hours uh, amongst the Louisville fan base is the same thing that we've talked about on the show several times, which is Chris Beard. Like, can you touch him? Like, we have no idea if Louisville, if Chris Beard is even a candidate for the Louisville job. Right. We have no idea if Josh Hurd is targeting him. We have no idea if he would listen. You know, Maybe he's a guy who says, look, Ole Miss reached out. They gave me a job when a lot of programs wouldn't. I feel like I'm, I'm doing something good here. I- I'm going to stick it out here for, for a few years. We have no idea. But that hasn't stopped anybody from arguing about the the morality of targeting a guy like Chris Beard, diving into the the arrest report, diving into the police report from that night. What what happened? What didn't happen? Does uh, his his fiance recanting her story? Does it change things? Just just all this stuff. So you've had this going on. The other thing that's happened today, and I I went and I put the clip on Twitter from last week's show. It was the show that you you weren't around for Scoots. We did it with Rashawn on Friday, and I made a I told everybody to write this down. I said the latest thing that you're going to hear in this coaching search is going to be this. Arkansas is having a terrible year. They they played Kentucky on Saturday. They actually, it was a competitive game. Kentucky played like crap and, and yeah. from what I saw. Like they could not score. Arkansas is a bad team. I feel like if they played 11 teams in the, in the SEC with that performance on Saturday, they'd probably lose. But Arkansas is one team that just, you know, Devo Davis left the team mysteriously. He's kind of been their heart and soul the last couple of years right before the game on Saturday. Um... Tremont Mark, their best guard, has been out. They just—they're not gelling. It's a—it's a bad team right now. And so I said on Friday, mark this down. This is going to happen over the next couple of weeks. Eric Musselman—he's feeling the heat from the the Fayetteville fan base, the the the, the press down there. Everybody is saying, "Cool, you, you made some nice runs over the last few years, but the transfer portal is so hit and miss. This is not a reliable long-term strategy. You can't bring in ten new players every single year." If you don't get the right pieces, it's just it's not going to coalesce. It's not going to gel, and you're going to have years like this too often. And when that happens, Musselman's just not good enough to make it work. And so my prediction was you're going to start to have some leaking stories, whether it's just tweets from influential people or actual written stories about contact or, or rumors about Musselman being targeted for the Louisville job. Because this is what coaches do when they start feeling the heat at a job where they feel like they've done a good job. Hey, Arkansas fans, 
He hadn't been to the second round of the NCAA tournament in like a billion years. We've done it three years in a row. We're going to Elite Eights. We're going to Sweet 16s. We're bringing in top-tier talent. This is just a one-off. And if you don't like it, guess what? There's a program that's more successful than yours, that has more resources than yours, that has more history than yours, that wants me pretty badly. So maybe start kissing the ring a little bit, respecting who I am, and just get over this. And sure enough, I said, write this down. This is going to happen over the next week and a half. Sure enough, today, and really going back to yesterday, you're starting to see some of these like little leaking stories are coming out. Like There's a guy with a rival site in Arkansas who's saying he's hearing what was going after Eric Musselman. He's telling people. He's telling Muss is uh, he's, he's going after, and he's got interest. You've got a, a post on one of the, the message boards down there in Arkansas saying L. Ellis is telling all of his teammates back at Louisville that, that Musselman's getting the Louisville job. That's what he's saying. It's what he's hearing. Like, like, who knows if there's any truth to this whatsoever? I mean, Musselman is an obvious candidate for the Louisville job. He was an obvious candidate two years ago. He wanted an insane amount of money. Louisville wasn't going to give that to him, and so it was sort of a non-starter. He's a likely candidate for the job. I don't know how high profile it is. I don't know if there's been conversations already, but I can tell you that the the leaking of stuff like this is done intentionally. It's done purposefully, and Musselman's trying to cover all his bases. Maybe there is legitimate interest out there, but even if there's not, he wants Arkansas fans to feel like we need to value this guy. Yes, the season sucks. Yes, we're all disappointed. But remember what I did. Remember what I can do. Remember that I, if, if you don't like me, somebody else is going to, and that somebody may be more than just a parallel move. So I think you're going to have even more stuff leaking out there. You had Truly Donovan today, who I think it was last week or two weeks ago, just put out the picture of, and, you know, didn't say it outright, but it was basically like a, an implication that these were the top four candidates for the Louisville job. Put out the picture of Chris Beard, Eric Musselman, Mick Cronin, and Jerome Tang. And then today, revisited that tweet and updated it with a picture of Chris Beard, Eric Musselman, Jerome Tang, and Mick Cronin scratched out. Mick Cronin blacked out. I have no idea if there's any legitimacy to that. I have no idea what's going on. I, I get why Mick Cronin maybe is not as attractive as ca- a candidate as he was a month ago. So Mick is the pick guy is tore up. Mick is the pick guy. Is, is, he's got to be torn up by this. I'm sure he's just going to double down and keep going harder. There was an interview with, with Bring Brom Home Guy today that was out there about He's not revealing his identity, but he's talking about who he is, and he used to work in media and all this stuff. People at U of L think they know who he is. Like they, I, I said that on the radio last week. I had a couple of texts during the show for from people who are like, "We know who it is," and it's just it's 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 this guy. Like, which whatever, I I, I could care less. Uh, who knows? But he's talking about he's he's doubling down on Mick as the pick, but Mick may not be the pick if Julie Donovan, who usually is right about these sort of things, knows what he's talking about here. So. That's still, I think, primarily where Louisville fans' interests lie. It's all about the coaching search. It's not really about the games. It, it is what it is. I, I would kill. I mean, scoots for you. Looking at, I, mean, I use lost what three games in a row, something like that. Yeah, they're not very good. Well, Khalil Ware, our best player, has been out the last two games. He is, and there's no which, real idea of when he's going to return. You just have to rely on Malik Renew more. This. But, this does sort of feel like a like this is desperation time though. Yeah, you're twelve and eight. The metrics do not love you. The, the resume is not good. You're four and five in the Big Ten. It's an Iowa team who is good but not great coming to Assembly Hall. You kind of feel like you have to hold serve pretty much every game at home from this point forward. I feel like, and then steal a couple against the bigger teams on the road late in the year. It, like, do you feel like if you lose this one tonight, it's kind of like eh. like this? This is 
We're still going to watch. We're still going to get excited, but the writing's on the wall for where this is going. Yeah, I mean, this this could very well be the straw that breaks the camel's back, if you will. I mean, it's not a must-win yeah, game. We don't say that on the it's, show. It's not a must-win, but it's a can't-lose, if that makes sense. I don't like that either. You're, you're, <laughs> you're getting your way around it. <laughs> How do you feel, real quickly, about the Big Ten announcing? It, it's so weird. Everybody coming out with their, their stra- scheduling strategies for the new mega-conferences that are coming out, and... I mean, the Big Ten's going to have, what, 18 teams starting next year? Mm-hmm. The, the, hell, the ACC's going to have 18 teams starting next year as well. But the Big Ten announces every team in the conference is going to play every other team once. But they're only going to play three teams twice. Oh, I love that. They're going to determine the repeat opponents. And the ACC has kind of been doing this for years, even dating back to when the Big East was the mega conference. They, they were doing this for a while. The, the, the two play opponents are going to be determined annually by competitive balance, geography, and rivalry. So they are going to try to keep rivalries intact. Like yeah. Purdue and Indiana are going to play twice every year. Sure. Michigan, Michigan State, I'm sure, are going to play twice every year. Like they, The big rivalries will, will, will keep going. The thing that I don't like about what the Big Ten is going to do, and by the way, it's weird that they're, they're doing the 20-game conference schedule on the men's side, but just the 18-game conference schedule on the women's really? side. You'd think you would just keep it consistent, but they're not going to. The Big Ten tournament. Bottom three teams, out. Really? Not even playing in the conference tournament. It's going to be a 15-team. They're basically they're following the exact same format that the ACC has been using for the last few years. With you, know, you, you have the the gross Tuesday, the the saddest day in basketball history, where you've got the 15 versus the 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 10, the 14 versus the 11, and the 12 versus the 13, and then you've got second round day, and then it's the third day, the quarterfinals day, when the top four seeds start playing, and everybody kind of starts paying attention nationally. So that setup is fine. I don't know how, why you wouldn't just work like, just let the eighteen teams play. Like, like, I don't yeah. make it even if it has to be a format where the eighteen seed would have to theoretically win six games in six days to make the NCAA. Make it impossible, but who cares? But at least give everybody a shot. Yeah, no, I agree with that a hundred percent. That's you're playing a whole season for if you just happen to finish in the bottom three, you don't get a shot at all. Whereas basketball is kind of one of those sports where. As long as you have a shot, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, right? I mean, I, I, it's my favorite thing about the uh, about the, the layout for college basketball. People have been talking about expanding the tournament forever, and you know, my dad has always talked about he wanted he, he just wanted to have every team in the NCAA tournament. Whoa. And I was like, you kind of do in most conferences. Like, you get a chance to play until you lose. I think ninety percent of the leagues don't cut off teams from their conference tournament. So you can have the worst season possible. Maybe you had some injuries in the first half of the year. You're hitting your stride late in the season. Or maybe you suck and you just catch fire for four straight days yep. on a neutral floor or your opponent's home floor in some of these lower-level conferences, and you get a chance to play until you lose. It's my favorite thing. I love it about college basketball. And more times than not, having those teams included in the big tournaments, it doesn't matter. You know, Every now and then you'll get a bottom three seed that makes a run to the quarterfinals. Every now and then it's a semifinal. But very, very rarely do you have any team – make a, a deeper and the last time it happened I think it was Georgia and the SEC in that crazy tornado tournament where they won the whole thing as like the the, the 12 seed and got into the NCAA tournament as a 13 but usually it's just kind of like hey these teams are here whatever but I, I still like the idea of everybody at least gets a shot and I'm I'm now curious about what the ACC is going to do because they're going to be in the exact same boat starting next season and they have not made an announcement for whether or not all teams are going to be included the Big East when it first became the, the mega conference back in the day when Louisville first joined it it did exclude 
the bottom, I think, four teams. It was a 12-team tournament because Louisville was life and death to make the Big East tournament in its first year, coming off the Final Four in, in 05, their first year in 06 in the Big East. It took a win in their very last game of the regular season to lock up a, a berth in the Big East tournament, and they lost to Pitt pretty handily. Uh, like, like That kind of sucked. And the my favorite thing about the expansion was the very first year they did expand, DePaul went 0-16 in the regular season, was the 16th seed in the, in the tournament, and won their first conference tournament game over a Cincinnati team that was on the bubble. Like they knocked Mick Cronin out of the out, out of the NCAA tournament, basically. So you still had something to play for. You still had something fun to look forward to. Like I, I just I don't like excluding the teams. I, I get that you say, well, we're not going to cry for a like, like an Iowa who goes two and eighteen next year. Like they had their shot, they don't deserve to play. But still, like just you know, just more basketball. It's the, yeah. it's the most fun of the week. It, it's one of the most fun weeks of the sport to me. Sports calendar. I know people love the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. I certainly love it as well. But this is, it's like the madness before the madness. It's like the mini madness. And you've got even more games. There's always stuff going on. Like just more basketball is always a good thing. Make it happen. Anyway, uh, that's the Big Ten. It's your Big Ten update of the day. We'll come back. We'll talk a little football. Uh, we have some notes nationally and locally, a couple of recruiting nuggets to get to. Also, Pat Forty has found himself in the crosshairs of the Tennessee fan base once again. We can discuss that. And we'll take some text from you guys on the Thornton's text on at 502-414-1450. It's the Mike Rutherford Show, the Tuesday edition here on 1450 and 96.1, The Big team. Welcome back in Tuesday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show. Super congested today. People are saying you sound really congested. I am super congested. I don't think you sound congested, though. I feel, I, I definitely am. And I, I, I think I sound like it, but I, I feel super congested. It's that time of the year. Mm-hmm. You know, we had the kids, the kids are going back to school now. Uh, been there for a few weeks, and, and you're starting to get the reports coming out of the school. Like, hey, some kid in your daughter's class tested positive for flu. This kid's got RSV. I'm like, here we go. Yeah, yeah I don't know yeah. if I should be in here with you. Yeah, it's a matter of time. I, mean, I, I don't have anything right now. I'm still. <laughs> if I go down, we're screwed. <clears throat> yeah, it's, a, it's, it's. I feel fine. I'm just a, just a little congested. I feel you know, as good as any other bad day. It's okay. Um, last night, bad night to be a LSU women's Tiger, a women's basketball Tiger fan again. The Tigers go down to former Louisville assistant head coach Sam Purcell, his Mississippi State team. Takes down LSU 77-73 is the final score. Rough night for Haley Van Lith. 31 minutes played, 4 points, 1 of 6 from the field, 0 of 4 from 3, 2 assists, 3 turnovers. She uh, There was a video of her in the huddle late in the game where Kim Mulkey's laying out a play. And she's very clearly confused. She keeps like 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 looking up, and it was is a, a funny video. She's like five different times. She's like everyone else is kind of nodding, and she's like what? And she's like trying to talk. It was, it was a rough night for her, both on and off the floor. Has she had any good games? She's been okay. I mean, like like overall, she's had some good games, but in their biggest games, she has not been been great for them. And I think the the LSU fan base is starting to get a little bit frustrated with the the fact that she's not a natural point guard, which we knew last year she was not a natural point guard. She doesn't run the offense very well. She kind of feasts on the, the 
the bad teams, but like South Carolina, she didn't play that great. She had a late three that was kind of good, but in their bigger games so far this season, she's just not been very good. She and Sam Purcell were really close. I mean, she talked pretty openly at UofL about how, you know, he was like kind of her favorite coach and she gravitated towards him. And, and I'm, I'm not sure if him leaving played any part in her ultimately choosing to transfer, but there was a cool moment before the game where he goes over and says something joking to her and she jokes back and she looks. It's like the happiest she's looked in a year and a half. In in that moment, and you're like, you you kind of wish that she. I don't know what sequence of events led her to go to LSU, but she doesn't seem to be happy ever when you watch them play. And she's she's a competitor. She's trying her best, but she's not really fitting in with that team. And the team is struggling as a result. They're just five and three in the SEC, eighteen and four overall now. I did love that the loss coincided with the announcement that Baylor was going to retire the number of Brittany Griner at Baylor. And, you know, Griner and Mulkey have this kind of feud now because Mulkey wouldn't say anything nice about her when she was <laughs> was arrested and held, being held captive in Russia, which is, you know, this woman kind of made her career. Maybe you should just at least say, hey, I, I hope everything works out well for her, and she wouldn't even go that far to say it. So rough night for Kim Mulkey, which is always a good night for us. It was also a rough night. Did you see the news, uh, Scoots, about Rajon Rondo? I did, yeah. Which, my gosh, what are, what are you doing if you're that cop in Jackson County, Indiana, and you're like, wait, you walk up to the car and you're like, mm-hmm. Rajon Rondo? Arrested what? over the weekend for unlawful possession of a firearm, drug paraphernalia, and marijuana, all misdemeanor charges, uh, but he was pulled over in Jackson County on Sunday afternoon for a routine traffic violation. Trooper smells marijuana, uh, investigates, finds a gun, finds drug paraphernalia, takes Rondo to a Jackson County jail where he posted bond. When he's not allowed to have a gun, right? He's not allowed to have a gun. He he had a a legal issue in 2022 where a woman that I th- I think it was, a, I'm not sure I don't want to call it a girlfriend if it was a fiance or something. I think something. it was a girlfriend. It was a, yeah. Somehow it was, it was a significant other <laughs> that he had a relationship with that ordered a protective order and accused him of volatile, erratic, explosive behavior, said like he held a gun to her head, and all like, just horrible accusations. They later came to um, reach an agreement where she withdrew the charges. So it's been a rough couple of years for Rajon when it comes to news. It's also a rough year for Louisville to be unveiling. He's one of the guys who has the, the Louisville's, Rajon's Louisville banner coming mm. out this year. Not great timing for, no. for anybody involved in that. That's a, a little bit rough, but... Hopefully, if they if Rondo needs some help, then he gets the help that he needs. I mean, he's he's my age. He was a big, big deal. When, I thought he was still in the league. You no, know, he's been out for a couple of years now. I think, uh, but he was you know he, he's a guy. Who, you know, played against him at the YMCA back in the day. We were the same age. You heard stories about him coming up for a, a long time. He was my very first like sports interview. I was doing covering the Trinity Eastern season opener for the student newspaper, and he had a, like a game winning three in the closing <laughs> seconds. And like I just like talked to him very briefly. He was like talking to me. I had a couple questions. He was like, "I have the ball in clutch situations." That was the one quote that I got. And then his coach, who was Doug Bibby at the time, was like, "We gotta go. We gotta get. We gotta get out of here." I'm like, "Can I not talk?" I was like, "Can I get a quote from you?" He's like, "No, we gotta leave." I was like, "Well, this is not gonna go well for the story." But what are you gonna do? But it's it's sad to see. One of my favorite. There's like a million Papa John stories out there. I can't tell half of them on the radio, but one that I can tell is like pa- John Schnatter. John Schnatter. Okay. Papa John. So he's he's been for a while, maybe not anymore. Maybe he's he's seen it as like a lost cause, but he was like desperate to get one of those Louisville hometown hero banners for himself, like Papa's Louisville. And like I, I know a couple people who are on the board for that decision making process, who like who would vote and kind of 
they're the people who call the shots as far as like who gets the honor and who doesn't and where does it go all the planning that goes into it and he like they both said he just pestered us nonstop <laughs> about like this is the year I need the Papa's banner and you know he was he was at a function one time with Jennifer Lawrence when they they told Jennifer that she was going to get her hometown hero banner and he was like great he's like we can get ours together and like I, I know I know the guy who can make them and they're like that's not how this work works Papa I don't think they were calling him Papa but he's like, basically. In the end, he got so frustrated that he couldn't get his own Papa's Louisville banner that he figured out the company that, that Louisville goes to to have these made and just paid them to make his own Papa's Louisville banner that he hung in like the foyer of, of his like gigantic mansion. He's, <laughs> so he's got an own Papa's Louisville banner hanging inside his mansion house that he's like, I guess, just waiting for Louisville to, to give him the okay to put on a building somewhere. But didn't he start his first store in Jeffersonville? Yeah, exactly. So he yeah. should be Southern Indiana. I mean, I think he was also he was living in Chicago at the time when Papa, Papa John's Southern Indiana. first launched and all. Yeah, but it's, it's just, it's very, very funny. And, and he's he's been that. And then, you know, he had the controversy a few years ago, which sort of, I think, ruined any chances of a Papa's Louisville banner going up in a prominent space in the city. But grow up a little bit, Papa. I bet he does when he goes around and gets noticed out in public. I bet people call him Papa John. Oh yeah, I think he loves it. <laughs> I think he just he, he responds to Papa. <laughs> but yeah, he he will. I'm sure he didn't want it to be John's Louisville. I'm sure he wanted it to be Papa's Louisville. But it ain't gonna happen. So he had to go make his own. Do you know who all those are when you see those around? There are some that I've got no idea. Okay, yeah, because I I pass a few every day, and I'm like, I don't have any idea who that person is. I feel like the big ones I kind of know, but th- then there'll be some people that where it's like he was a you know. He was a business owner back in 1932. Yeah, the first like candy store in the east of the Mississippi. Like, you know, something like that. I'm like, I don't know who that person is. There's a, I want to say it's a Louisville football one, off of uh, the Waterson, down between here and Poplar level. A Louisville football one? Yeah, I, don't, I can't think of who it is. Like Paul Horning? It may be Paul. Yeah, it may be Paul actually. Paul's Louisville. Yeah, know, that sounds right. You should know that one. Though. Okay. I didn't know he went to Louisville. Did he go to Louisville? He's from Louisville. Oh, okay. But he went to he was Notre, Dame. Notre Dame. Yeah. He's from, uh, he played at Flagey. Oh, okay. His, um, I saw his grave site when we went to Cave Hill in October. And if you know where like the, the big pond is where you can go feed the ducks at Cave Hill, like his, his, his grave site is right there. It's pretty predominantly placed. But yeah, he's, he had a local show here for a long time after he, his retirement days and after he done got done doing broadcast stuff with the Packers, he had his own local show here. He was always fixture on local radio. He was yeah, he, he was a big deal. Well, now I know. I'll yeah. drive by tomorrow morning and think completely different about Paul's that. Louisville. But yeah, th- there are some out there where it's like you know Jake's Louisville. I'm like, who the hell is Jake? Like, I just, <laughs> sorry, Jake. I'm, I always feel bad too. I'm like, I feel like I should know this, but I, I wonder. That's a good question. Like, who's the least famous Louisvillian to have their own whoever Louisville's banner is? Right. It's like one that just like slipped through the cracks very early on. Um, Scotty Davenport got one recently, right? Did Scotty deserves one? Yeah, he's got. I think he's got one that's on like Ballard's gym. I think I've seen that. Or no, that, that maybe that's Dewan Wheat. It's so, there, there's somebody on Ballard's. I thought gym Scotty's now. was by Iroquois. Maybe that's right. Let's see. I'm, I'm looking at the people who have one now, like George Garvin Brown of uh, Brown Foreman. Okay, but if I saw like George's Louisville with a picture yeah. of a dude from the 1870s, the I'd be like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Tom Bullock, an esteemed bartender. Bullock was the first African American to publish a cocktail book. Wow. Again, written in 1917. That's very cool. It's a nice little toast to history. But if I saw just like Tom's Louisville in that picture, I'd be like, I don't, I don't, I don't know who that is. Right. Jurich doesn't look like him. <laughs> also, be very controversial. Uh, George Rogers Clark has one. William Clark has one. Thomas Edison has one. What's his connection? I guess he rented a house here for a few years. What? 
Okay. You don't get to call your Louisville <laughs> if you seems, rented a house here. It, it seems like a stretch that we're, <laughs> we're claiming Thomas Edison. Uh, he spent nearly two years here in Louisville as a young telegrapher. Wow. This is like how, one of my favorite things is how everybody claims Lincoln now. Like yeah. Everybody's like Illinois, Indiana, Kentucky. land of Lincoln, Indiana. Yeah. And, and, you know, Kentucky's like, he spent his formative years here. Like my wife, she's from Springfield, Kentucky. Like one of their claims, of, like they went back in the old, old courthouse and determined that his parents had gotten married in, in Springfield. Like they found like the, the marriage certificate that was there. So like, you know, they're like, He's ours now. Like, like, like they're claiming Lincoln. Everybody just claims Lincoln. Like Montana somehow is like we land of Lincoln. Lincoln. He, he was aware of our existence in the western part of the country before we were even a state. I'm like, okay, like, come on. But yeah, Louisville. I think has a. I don't know if we have an Abraham's Louisville, but we've we've got. You know, we should just do it. Just put it on the Yum Center. Abe's Louisville. Why not? Five zero two four one four fourteen fifty is the Thornton sex line. We'll take a couple texts. Why not? We we can get around to it. Um, Texture says, how about Ben Johnson? That This is the good news. Mm-hmm. So I needed to pick me up today because the line, I'm still so sad about Sunday night. I still like anytime I see anything about the Super Bowl or like I was going through like the old like tweets last night and trying to, to clean up some stuff to do news and notes post today and all the old line stuff that I've been liking. I'm like, I just don't want to think about it. <laughs> I was walking the dog last night listening to I'm listening to the, the who shot who killed JFK podcast. Which is in, it's very interesting, though. but there's just one throwaway line where it's like this was sort of like the Super Bowl of of, of CIA. I was like, stop! <laughs> I don't want to hear anything about it. I'm I'm just not ready yet. Doesn't help when I'm sending you memes too. I yeah you uh, yeah I was, that one was pretty good. Though. I was on my phone. I had like 20 texts. I was like sh- like rifling through these texts. And like yours was what was it? It was the Lion King one. Dad, what's the Super Bowl? I don't know. Some were lions. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up, Scoots. But. There was a nice pick-me-up today. Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator for the Lions, who's been highly sought after as a head coaching candidate for the last two years, really. He had a couple of interviews last year. There was just this assumption that he was going to go and take the job with Washington. He interviewed for it. There were a lot of Lions fans who were like, like maybe he's going to be distracted. I mean, three Lions assistants have been interviewing for head coaching jobs. And there was a lot, you know, maybe he takes the Jaguars job if it, if it opened up. Maybe he's, I think he was looking at some other gigs. But he announced today, not taking the job. Wow. Staying with Detroit for at least another year. That's huge. Very, very happy. Very big deal. Shout out to Brad Holmes, the GM who's trying to keep as much of this this core group intact as possible for at least one more season. But he's, I mean, that's a big deal for Detroit for next year, for sure. And it's news worth celebrating. Now, does that open the door for Belichick? Because it seemed like that door was shut, assuming Johnson would take the Washington job. Yeah, I mean, I mean you get that job open now, and also the Seattle, Seattle job yeah. is open is the other one that Johnson was rumored to be going towards. Now, a lot of people are saying that Jacksonville is going to go after him in 2025 because they've got Trevor Lawrence and fun offense and all this. Who knows? But all I know is he's going to be a line for another year. I don't know. I don't even know who the other big candidates are for those gigs, but all I know is Ben Johnson staying home. Also, every time I see them a ride-up, and he's like, he's, they're like, he's 37. I'm like, yeah. I don't like him being younger than I am. <laughs> I don't like that, but I like it. I do like him coaching my favorite team. Time, he's the man. I know. It, it, t- time is is a weird thing. It's crazy. Texture says, "Congrats to the probable heir to Jeff Walls, Sam Purcell, on the big win last night. This reaction before a big three went in was phenomenal. It's a it's a good tweet. I, I saw the reaction. I mean, Sam has been for a long time. There's been this notion that Sam Purcell is going to be the next head coach at U of L whenever Jeff Walls chooses to call it a career. And I think there was a like there was a time and place where 
I don't think I'm spilling any beans here. Like Jeff has, Jeff has basically actively worked with every AD that he's had to say, if I do leave or if something happens, if I retire, if you fire me, if, if something happens, I want Sam to be the next head coach. And, you know, in the end, the AD is going to have the final say with something like that. But it, you know, Walls' words do carry weight around here and for good reason. But Purcell, he's he's a character. He wore a lot of crazy stuff when he was here. Very kind of bombastic on the sidelines. Big time personality. I think the type of personality that you you love seeing in women's basketball. And he's doing a hell of a job at Mississippi State so far. So uh, I think all for him coming back here to U of L if Jeff Walls ever leaves, which I don't, I don't want Jeff to ever leave. His reaction to three it's, it's, it's hilarious. It's good. Yeah. yeah, I don't know why he drops to his, puts his hands on his knees though and just doesn't react when it actually goes in. It's a badass move. <laughs> he's trying to do the Jay Wright thing, but he's he feel like he can't be as cool as Jay Wright, as calm and collected as Jay Wright. But he's trying to a little bit. The Jay Wright, the coolest that coaches ever looked in the history of sports was Jay Wright just saying bang on the game-winning shot in the national title game and then not reacting when it went in. Like, you, you can't beat that. It was the coolest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Come to Louisville, Jay. <laughs> Texas says, when the Nike executive saw that Louisville hired Kenny Payne and Nolan Smith, they kind of smiled because they knew an Adidas school was getting the worst. <sighs> we don't have to do that today. Uh, there's a KRC text. Again, if you text during the show, we have to KRC read. text. Yeah, we have to read. KRC text. Watching some more of you go because Cal said he's going to take some of Bradshaw's minutes and he loved the end of game lineup. There's a lot of young Nick Richards in his game. It's a long text. I don't care about the whole thing. Sorry for the long text. That's how it ends. <laughs> I mean, I, I've, I've seen not much of you go this year. He has not looked good to me. Bradshaw's looked clearly superior. Mm, what did you Big, haven't watched enough then. I haven't. No. What did Big Z look like on, on Saturday? Did uh, he do anything in this he game? He only played like three minutes, I think. Because I knew I saw that. I saw him look bad in the. The second time he played. Yeah, no, you so that whole situation, Aaron Bradshaw, definitely the better offensive guy for Kentucky. Is he bad defensively? But he hasn't They're done all bad defensively. He hasn't done anything offensively, is the thing. I mean, and he and he's so foul prone. He picks up fouls quick so quickly. But you go, he doesn't provide you those points. But the what he provides defensively with the block shots and all that, the rebounds, uh, he is the better option. Well, that's probably more valuable to them right now. Yeah. Because well, I mean, they got the, the with the guys they have on the floor. They don't need you go to score. Exactly, and defense is their issue. Like, yeah. They clearly need a rim protector because I think a lot of those guys just can't keep their guys in front of them, and, and they have issues when it comes to knowing when to help and knowing when not to help. They are. I mean, Matt Norlander wrote about Kentucky. He does a court report feature for CBS, where it's kind of like a whip around. He looks at some of the big stories and goes in depth on them every uh, every Tuesday, and he led this edition with. Like basically, Kentucky right now is not good enough to win a national title defensively. If you look at historical comparisons, yeah. like that, they're fifth in the country in scoring offense, but without substantial upgrades, the defense is going to prevent UK from winning at all. Like, like there's, there's, there has not been a national champion in the modern era who has a defensive profile that looks like Kentucky's. They like that. The weird thing with the Arkansas game because they did look bad in that game for the most part. But the fact that they played Arkansas so well defensively and Arkansas looked so inept on offense, they jumped all the way from 96 to 70 in adjusted defensive efficiency just based on that performance because you know they were beating you know they're, they're beating Georgia like 106-95 and all this stuff you know so their offense looked bad but they held Arkansas to 57 points which as bad as Arkansas has been they've still for the most part this season been a good offensive team and they 
were not at all uh, on Saturday. But the lowest ranked defense in the Ken Palm era to win a national title. The Ken Palm era dates back to Kentucky's lost Arizona in 96-97 season. Was it like 30? Had to get that dig in. Uh, it actually was was the 2021 Baylor team that won all. They were 44th. Okay. Only four. T- and, you know, I mentioned last week about how sometimes the in-season stats are misleading because when a team wins six games against great competition in March, they're going to jump in all the the, the end metrics. Like the, the end metrics, they don't stop in the regular season. They don't stop going into the NCAA tournament. They take everything into account. So you can start the NCAA tournament as like the the 35th best defensive team in the country. And if you have six really good games over three weeks, you can jump all the way up to like nine or ten. And so it looks like, hey, like you fit the profile. But Norlander went back and looked at, if you looked at beginning of the NCAA tournament, only four teams that have started the big dance ranked outside the top 30 in adjusted defensive efficiency have gone on to win it all. And Kentucky right now is 70th. So they've got some work to do if they want to get up to that, uh, in that realm. Can be done, for sure. Yeah. But when you look at adjusted defensive rank, the teams that are kind of like not top 10, that are sort of outliers, 9 Carolina, who is one of the more dominant NCAA tournament runs, they were just a ridiculous offensive team, so they didn't really have to play defense. UK is a great offensive team. They're not 9 Carolina good yet. If they want to get to that point, then you, maybe you can make that work. Uh, Duke in 2015, it's kind of a, you know, they were a really good offensive team. They were 37th in defensive efficiency, and then that Baylor team, 44th in defensive efficiency a couple of years ago in the the, the COVID-shortened season, or the COVID-altered season. So it's very, very rare. Now, you have had, Norlander points this out, I said this last week as well, you have had some just downright average defensive teams make the Final Four. Like, it can happen. Brackets open up, teams get hot. Um, the, the Dwayne Wade Marquette team is maybe the biggest example. They were 80th in defensive efficiency and 16th in offensive efficiency. The UCLA team a couple of years ago that was a, a first four squad that got hot with Johnny Juzang and company, they were not good defensively. Miami last year, great offensive team, made plays down the stretch in games, not a very good defensive team. They, they were 132nd in defensive efficiency. Jeez. But usually when you get there, you're going to face one team, whether it's in the semifinals or the national title game, that can clamp you down and your, you know, your deficiencies are going to be exposed a little bit. So... It's a good read. He also focused on Ed Cooley and Providence and all, all this stuff. There was the, the oh that we had. That's what we talked about this morning. The, the the goodness, oh, I'm, I guarantee TJ was ready yeah. to pounce because he hates the Field 68 guys, yeah. right? I did hear. I, I talked with um, with Mark Titus because Titus got a call from Goodman directly when he was doing his show yesterday, and he's like, he's like, I'm not saying I'm Team Goodman on this, but I I do understand where he's coming from. It was more than just because the way that I had took it, and the way that I explained it on the show yesterday was, like, Goodman and Doster, they love Ed Cooley, they're boys with Ed Cooley, the documentary painted Ed Cooley in a bad light, or there was some stuff in there that was a little bit hurtful to his reputation, they made mention of allegations of an affair, which was a rumor that did circulate the rounds, but you don't want that out there, and that's why they wanted it shut down, they feigned this lawsuit, but it, it turns out they were... I think there was something else going on. Like they were trying to defend one of their colleagues a, a little bit, and they didn't want the whole rumor out there, the whole reason out there. But it was like Ty's like, I kind of see it Goodman's way. I still don't think that it's some of the messages didn't need to be sent. Like the whole the whole hope you look good in orange thing is ridiculous to say to anybody. Which I've seen so many places today. I mean, deserve to be mocked for sure. But Ty's like, I kind of see it both ways. I'm still more on the like the the guy who did it is. 
he's been a D-bag to me in the show. Like, like he's the DePaul guy who, like, just harasses us constantly. And, like, they blew up our text line a few times because they just, you know, they're doing their DePaul thing. So I'm not a big fan of his either. But I still think he's more in the right on this than, than, than Goodman and company. But I do have more insight now after hearing some stuff. Um, Texture says, Mike, what starts with... Come on. You know I can't read that. <laughs> it's Scootator. Just telling, basically telling you to suck it. You suck it, Scootator. Texture says, if Musk does get hired at UofL, he will go over his three keys to success. Number one, hit the transfer portal hard. Number two, make the tournament. He will then proceed to rip his shirt off and say, number three, I can't read it. I can't read it. <laughs> you, I mean, I, I can't do it. I agree with you. I would love to read it. I can't do it. Um, I'm not actively opposed to Musselman getting the job. No? I'm not. He's not, like, my favorite candidate. I think there are... I think the issues that prevented you from really making a concerted effort to hire him a couple of years ago are still out there. I think Josh knows that. It's why I think at the end, I don't think that he'll get the job. I'm not going to guarantee it. I could be definitely wrong about that. But Musselman in-game is okay. There are times where I think his in-game deficiencies are exposed a little bit. But he's going to get you players. And he certainly, like, he checks every off-the-court box. Well, I'm not going to say that. It's, it's, that's the wrong way to put it. He checks the boxes about injecting life into a dormant program, getting the fan base excited. Like, like he will, you know, he does the stuff where he wins big games and takes his shirt off. Like, the fan base is desperate for stuff like that right now. Like, they, they want a little bit of a showman. And Musselman, if you hired him in five weeks, he's going to win the offseason for you. I feel pretty confident in saying that. Like he, he will do at Louisville what a guy like Rick Pitino did at St. John's, where the program's in a bad spot. He goes out there, he gets players, he gets you excited. He does all these press conferences where he's saying these things that you want to hear about the lore of St. John's and how we're going to get it back to where it's supposed to be, and we're going to play these games at Madison Square Garden, and I've got this big-picture idea, and I've got this great relationship with the AD already. Musselman will do all that sort of thing, and it will make for a – a very fun summer for people like us that are talking about this and the fan base I think will be will be very excited. But I do think that there are are issues that I'd be a little concerned about when it comes to can this guy take this program back to where we expect it to be, which is a perennial national title contender. But like I said, there are certainly worse options. I think there may be some a few better options. But if it comes down to it, like I could be on the must bus. I'd be not riding shotgun. <laughs> But I could be, I wouldn't be forced against. You wouldn't my be will. in the back either. I wouldn't be on the back in the back either. Let's let's be careful, kids. <laughs> Dexter says, uh, "Mike, make the sacrifice." I would make the sacrifice to your your hypothetical. I would not watch Louisville basketball ever again if it meant that they could just you know win a billion titles. That's Take what I would few. do for you people. It is, you know, it's, it takes a big man to do something like that, and uh, <laughs> I am that big man. Let's take a break. Four o'clock hour is up next. We got an update on this crazy story from Kansas City. We'll take some more texts from you guys at 502-414-1450. All that good stuff. It's Mike Rutherford, Justin Kalen, Trey Ryan, all here with you on the Tuesday edition of the Rutherford Show here on the Big X.
you two handle the music for the show? I am. I just don't know what to do without like obscure eighty songs that I've never heard before. So I'm still adjusting to this. There is a theme today. There is? There is. Was there a theme yesterday and I just didn't guess it? Um I was just saying it, it was a lot of songs like this. I felt like it was a no, lot of like seventies yeah, kind of songs. No, there was no theme yesterday. But there is the theme today. Okay. Um <laughs> Okay. Very easy one. Lazy one. Just Beach Boys. No? No. What have we had? I don't know. I, I wasn't listening to the first one. We've had Matchbox 20, Dave Matthews Band, and now Beach Boys. Well, the first two songs all have one title. One, one word in the title, right? You're thinking way too in-depth about this. Okay. Well, I'm you used got, to. I'm sorry. I'm trying to... Uh, you got to keep in mind I've been here all day. I was just lazy, <laughs> wanted to put something together pretty quickly. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. You give up? No, I just say okay. I'm gonna keep listening. Right. We'll, 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 we'll get to a few more. It's pretty easy. It's it's pertinent. Stop saying how easy it is. I clearly don't know it yet. It's pertinent information in the last week or two. That's what I'm basing. It no on. idea what that means. Five zero two four one four four zero. My wife just texted me. She, of course, she knew it. It's bourbon and beyond. Bourbon and beyond. Yep. Damn Good Mary. job, Mary. <laughs> of course. I'm sure the text line's like a million people. Like <laughs> bourbon and beyond, you idiot. <laughs> it happens all the time. Uh, it's, uh, sorry, I'm so sad. Give me a break. <laughs> I feel like my my daughter now. Whenever she gets in trouble now, she's like, "I'm just a little girl." Like I'm like, she's like, "I'm like, all you have to do is not say mean things. Just don't talk." I'm like, "It's very easy." And she's like, "I don't know how. I'm just a little girl." Like that's gonna be me now. Every time, some for the next few days, I'm sad about the lions. Leave me alone. I can't think straight. It's the four o'clock hour here. The Mike Rutherford Show. Five zero two four one four fourteen fifty is the Thornton text line. Minor Thorntons. Go ahead. I was just gonna say. Now we see Virginia gets it. Yeah, maybe maybe we're more alike <laughs> than I thought. Thornton took him for the best deals all 2024 long. If you want to take advantage, though, you have to be a Refreshing Rewards Program member. Download that app. Very easy to do. Search Thornton's in your app store. You'll download it in about a minute, and then you'll be saving money at the pump and saving money inside anytime you stop into one of this area's 86,246 Thornton's locations. There's that many of them for a reason. They know what they're doing. Before we get back to the text line, a couple nuggets to get to here as we start hour number two. One, the NCAA announced today it's shortening the men's basketball transfer portal window. This was something that nice. a lot of coaches have requested. I think the fan easier to keep track of a little bit. It's it's maybe less of the wild wild west. Now, if they got sued over something like this, they probably wouldn't. They lose losing court for the eighty fifth time, and it would be back open. <laughs> but the new transfer portal that's supposed to start this year, it's supposed to go into effect this year, is going to be open for just forty five days. The period of time is going to be the last day of the regular season. So whenever that, whenever that would be, the Sunday before championship week, basically. If you do the math between May 1st and 45 days back, whatever that is. And then it will last through May 1st. So if you're a program that is in the position of, I don't know, maybe firing your head coach, you probably want to act pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. This is why I keep going back to this whole, every, everyone points to, the reason for keeping Kenny Payne, not firing in midseason, not bringing in an interim, is saving yourself some money. We're a little cash-strapped. You need that extra $2 million. The buyout drops from eight mil to six mil on March 31st. You wait then. You can't afford to wait two weeks, more than two weeks. If our season ends, I don't know what the AC tournament dates are. I'm assuming it's like March 12th through the 16th, something like that. So that goes into effect this year. Goes into effect this year. We'll start two months from now. This window is, is the thing that the, the coaches are operating under. Um, this year's NCAA, I, well, look at that. I literally just threw out those dates, had no idea that they were right. It is the 12th to the 16th. Perfect. <laughs> so let's say your season's going to end on 
well, for, for the sake of argument, just say on March 12th. Why not? You can't afford to sit on your your hands for 19 days, 20 days, 15 of which the transfer portal window will be will be open before you make your new head coaching hire. You've got to be ready to act. And, and I know that other things go into it, i.e., if a coach that you're going after is playing deep in the NCAA tournament, you can't really hire him until he's done with that. But you need to at least have the position open so that potential guys in the portal can at least view you as a realistic landing spot. If you're waiting until April 1st, I mean, it's a month for the new coach to operate. Some guys are already going to be off the table at that point. I think you need to move as quickly as possible, and for that reason, I don't think that you can afford to just not say anything. But you also can't be like, hey, we're going to fire him. We're just waiting until until March 31st. Like, that's not going to work. You can't do that publicly. Like, it will... If it's radio silence from March 12th through like March 16th through the end of the conference tournament, then I think we'll know like they're just not going to say anything for a couple of weeks. And I I don't know if you can afford to have that damage done to the program while the NCAA tournament's going on and everybody's speculating is he or isn't he, and other guys, big time transfers are already committing to new programs while this is going on. Like you kind of have to act fast because you have a limited window now. So will you have to fire him before the ACC tournament? No. Okay. I I think you fire him. Whenever the season ends, you lose in the first round on March twelfth, Wednesday morning. But the portal's already open then, or no? The portal will, will will have been open by then. Yeah, but so why would you not get rid of him at the end of the regular season? Well, you can't hire somebody, presumably who you're going to hire is still coaching anyway. True. But okay. I think you do want transfers to know, like, hey, Louisville's open. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like Louisville. If you didn't want to come here because Kenny Payne was the coach, like, it's going to be a landing spot for hopefully a high profile guy, and maybe just you know. Just hold off on that commitment. Wait until wait wait until we we make this thing known. And I think you know, it's unfair to the program that we will be taking from. Who's going to be telling them that though? Is my question. I don't know how this. I mean, works. nobody on this coaching staff is going to be around. So who's who's recruiting from the portal? I think you just have to hope that it's either kind of common knowledge. If a player is, like, let's say, there's a kid who's littered up in a mid-major school and it's like, hey, I always kind of wanted to play at Louisville, but they're a dumpster fire right now. And then you fire Kenny Payne. They're like, you know, I, I'm not going to commit somewhere else that's pursuing me because I want to wait and see who Louisville hires. I think you also have a thing where it kind of can be made known. It's shady dealings, but it's major college basketball. Everything's shady. It can kind of be made known to guys like, hey, so-and-so at this school, whenever they lose in the tournament, he's going to be at Louisville in a couple of weeks. Just keep that open. Like, you'll be hearing from us. Like, I, I think that that sort of thing can happen. But I, I don't know. I, I and maybe maybe Josh feels the opposite way. Maybe he feels like there's no benefit to just having the job open for a couple of weeks while waiting to name a hire. I don't know. But uh, regardless, whoever comes in is going to have a limited amount of time to build the roster. There's not going to be, like there has been in the years past, a, a dude in late June who we're talking about, like, hey, are we going to get Imani Bates? Or is, is this guy going to come here and be a late addition to the program? You're going to kind of have that roster set by the time that, that Derby week rolls around. Yeah, how long was the portal initially? I think it was just kind of it was just sort of a free for all. Like it was just I mean, there was had, no like timetable. Like on we it? were waiting on Amani Bates till like late July, mm-hmm. a couple summers ago, and when he finally picked Eastern Michigan. So I don't know, but that's a shout out Eagles. Yeah, got five hundred dollars richer because of that move. <laughs> uh, but that's the, the the latest on the portal transfer portal. Also today, we had Pat Forty, the lesser known uh, the, the the lesser news that he made. Uh, he's he's back in the. 
the crypts of the Tennessee fan base. He's been trending on Twitter all day because Tennessee hates him for uncovering new, uh, basically just reporting that the NCAA is investigating Tennessee again. They're like, Forty hates us. He can't get over the fact that we're never going to get penalized for stuff. But he also came out with his way too early college football rankings for the upcoming season. Way too early. Way too early. But everyone does this. It's a clicks bonanza. You, you got to do it. He needs two more ways on the front of that. Way, way. I think he may actually have had. And he just said way <laughs> too early. He re, he had it. This is actually his second version of this. Jeez. He did it right after the, the national championship game. I mean, you, like I know we all roll our eyes, and for good reason. But the numbers, I can tell you from experience, the numbers that these types of posts do are outrageous. And you have to post them right after the national championship game happens because everybody who's watched is like, I want to see where my team is. And if you just throw teams out there, like, they. They know that it's not an exact science, but you still want to see where it is. Hell, we're talking about it right now. Where do you think he had Louisville? That's a giveaway that they are in the top 25, but where do you think 40 ranks Louisville? I'm going to guess 17. Uh, down. 22nd. Really? He said, Jeff Brom worked wonders in his first season winning 10 games in part by mastering the transfer portal. He's done good, good work in that area again, stocking up on players who should be able to step in and play right away. Texas Tech transfer Tyler Shuck arrives and could be an upgrade at that position if he can stay healthy. The Cardinals lost a couple of early entry players to the draft at running back and receiver, but do have some depth at both sp- both spots. The most intriguing defensive addition is tackle Thor Griffith from Harvard, who was pursued by several power conference programs. Uh, Louisville is actually, I think, the fourth-ranked ACC team in this top 25. 40's got NC State at number 20. He's got Clemson at number 15. And then he's got Florida State up there at number 10. Also of note, because they're on Louisville schedule. Notre Dame, who the Cards, probably their first big challenge in late September. It'll be their fourth game when they go to South Bend. They're number six in this top 25. So he's got uh, Notre Dame at number six. The other like big portal school has been Ole Miss. They're number five on this list. So mm-hmm. the, 40's giving a little bit more credit to Ole Miss and the guys that they've gotten from the portal than he is Louisville and the guys that they've gotten. The top, uh, rest of the top five, in case you're wondering. Georgia, number one. Ohio State, number two. Texas, number three, and Oregon, number four. Alabama, all the way down there at number eight, behind Missouri. Kentucky, not in the top 25. Just throwing that out there. Not in the top 25. I was wondering. Yeah, they're, they're not there. Suck it, UK. We beat you five times in a row. By the I, way, I, I saw, I've got nothing to say to that. You brought up Ohio State. I saw a stat today. Do you know they've had the rookie of the year in the NFL? Was it? It was 16, 17. 19, 20, 22, and 23. Have they really? Yeah. Is that nuts or what? That's insane. Yeah. So Stroud won it this year? Not officially, but, but I mean, he's, going, he's to? going to. Yeah. God, that's that's nuts. Yeah. Like six out of eight years, I they've mean, had the rookie of the year. Smart money on Marvin Harrison Jr. next right. year, I guess. Jeez, that's nuts. Uh, it's very, very wild. Because who else won it? I'm trying to think who else was on I mean, that. The only Ohio list. State guy that the Lions have drafted sucked. Oduka has been terrible. Let me see if I can find it. Who's on Twitter? Not Oduka, the, the, the one guy we drafted. Um, I'm trying to think. Let's Joey Bosa. Oh yeah, Bosa. Yeah. Uh, Nick Bosa. Um, who are we forgetting from 2020? Hang on, I'm pulling it up. Chase Young. Chase Young. Yep. All right, I'm have to look up the other ones. Uh, you've got well. Oh, Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson. Yeah, Receiver. that's the one. Yeah. I, don't, I have no idea who the other one is. But yeah. that's, it, that's it, right? We're Pretty good. impressive. I'm going to give smart money on Marvin Harrison next year. Make it happen. Uh, there was one other thing I wanted to get to. I can't remember what it was. We talked Rondo. 
We talked about the early top 25. We, oh, uh, Clint Hurt, former UofL assistant, made some headlines back in the day with the, the investigation into Miami football, bounced to the NFL when, when Charlie Strong moved on. He is now going from uh, the Seattle Seahawks to be the new defensive line coach for the Philadelphia Eagles. Props to him. Big dude, scary dude, gets it done. But uh, congrats to Clint Hurt. Moving on to the Philadelphia Eagles, as the Eagles just totally revamped their entire coaching staff after their colossal collapse down the stretch this past season. Uh, the Thornton Sacks line is 502-414-1450. We'll get back to you guys. Your, your thoughts there. We'll be, next segment, we'll update the the dead Chiefs fans. That's a terrible way to phrase that. <laughs> the, 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 the three dead friends who are watching the Chiefs game. There's an update on that story. I want to hear Scoots' thoughts on it. Can't wait. Texture says, tough look for Roush. His pick for Kentucky Sports Figure of the Year couldn't even crack the top five. I voted in this, too. Like, uh, they, they they always give the Mark Story reaches out and, and, and gives the a couple of people in Louisville a voice. I'm assuming that TJ and, and Roush both do this. Mm-hmm. Kentucky Sportsman of the Year. They, they give you like like literally like 100 nominees. Anybody who's anybody in the sport there, and then you rank the top 10. And it always winds up being somebody from like out in the state. It's always a Kentucky figure. It's never a Louisville figure. So I do kind of try to like skew it towards Louisville people a little bit. I try to be honest. Like if there's an obvious example, like if when Kentucky won the national title, I'm like, yeah, I'm voting for John Calipari or I'm voting for Anthony Davis. But like I, if, if there's a Louisville person that I feel like is not going to be represented well, I'll, I'll rank them as high as I can. Um, I want to see who won. Uh, you don't know who won? No. You want me to tell you? Yeah. Travis Perry. Oh my God! Are you kidding me? You can't be mad about him, Mike. The kid scored five thousand points in I his career. I don't care. He's a high school basketball player. He scored five thousand. Lamar Jackson is going to be the MVP of the NFL, the most powerful sports league in the world, and we're talking about a guy who didn't even win a state championship. No, but I mean, five thousand points is ridiculous. Yeah, think but about like, that. It's like it's like New York naming uh, Joe Girard the the sports person of the year because he broke Jimmer Fredette's scoring. He scored like sixteen thousand points in high school. I don't think he's cracking the top ten. I mean, I, I shouldn't even be surprised. I didn't disagree with it. I mean, I don't know that he should have won, but I, I think I, I had him on my top ten. I think I may have had him like number eight, but that's. I mean, what was the final? I, I can't get. I don't have a subscription to the Herald Leader, so I can't see the full rankings. But I, I do want to know who was like the top ten. I know Brom was in there. I want to say he was number nine, probably, maybe. Uh, of course he was, like eight or nine. He's probably behind Stoops. He was behind Cody's wish. Oh, my God. <laughs> was he really? He was, yeah. Uh, I'm not shocked. I mean, it's, again, like, I think I'm one of, like, eight people from Louisville that is, like, a, a Louisville-centric person that gets a vote in this thing. Uh, What's it called? Kentucky Sports Kentucky person? Kentucky Sports Person. Yeah, I don't have a – I see a story. I oh, saw so Roush put Jeff Brom number number uh, number one. Did he? Yeah. I thought he went with Sheboy. He put his top ten. He's, he went with uh, Jeff Brom one, Jamal Murray two, Lamar Jackson three, Oscar Sheboy four, Cody's Wish five, Travis Perry six, Ray Davis uh, seven, Nick Mingione, come on eight, Brandon Fat nine, Julie Folks ten. I did have Fat on my top ten as well. Um, fat, Fat, Brandon Fat. Mm. I keep saying Fat. He's the former Bellarmine pitcher, Trinity pitcher, who pitched in the, the World Series for the Diamondbacks this year. But I'm trying to see if, if we can find the top ten. Uh, okay, here it is. I mean, Reed Shepard was second. Of course he was. Uh, Travis Perry won. Reed Shepard, two. Julie Folks, the Transylvania women's basketball coach, three. It's, I'm fine with that. They won a national title. Yeah. Lamar Jackson, four. 
Ray Davis, the Kentucky running back, is five. Jeff Brom was six. Brandon Fott, seven. Jamal Murray, eight. Montana Fouts, nine. Daniel Thomas, the Bell County running back, was ten. Oh, so he wasn't. So Brom was not behind Cody's wish. Brom was not. Cody's wish isn't even in the top okay. ten. I think you're just probably thinking of Roush's top ten because he had Cody's Maybe wish. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I know TJ. I think I want to say TJ put his in as well. Put Cody's wish put in there? Put Cody's wish, yeah. Just great story. It, it, it is a great story, but. It's not a person. I love that the, the the top two are both Kentucky high school basketball players. <laughs> Crazy state. This state. In 49 states, Scoots, it's just basketball. Mm, 48. Well, I know, but that's the Indiana says Indiana that. says yeah, it's, it, yeah. it's their thing, which I get. Like they they are crazy about high school basketball. I guess unless it comes to media voting, um, Indiana needs one of those types of votes. They don't have, I'm sure they have like a sports person of the year. I've, not, I've never never heard of it. It, I, it is such a chore, and I I love that Mark's story includes me. But like reading through all the nominees, because like. Of course, I'm going to miss some of these accomplishments. Like I don't is there know, like a snippet on each one. Of like them? a snippet on each one, but it's like it's like four pages of like fifty nominees on every page, and it'll be like, you know, some of them are, are really cool. Like I, I, you know, you'll, you'll vote like I didn't realize this person was a like a silver medalist in the Olympics or you know set a world record in this event. But then some of them are like the four, like the former uh, Holy Rosary standout girls basketball player, averaged six point two points at Alabama this year. I'm like, okay, well, I mean, like, I don't, I don't know what to do with this. Like, I don't, I don't need to be reading that. But yeah, it's like the the assistant coach of the high school like three A state runners up in football. I'm like, no, we, we we don't. This person doesn't need to be on the list. We can shorten the list of nominees. I love that everybody gets an include gets included, but this is taking way too long. Are there ever nominees left off that you feel are deserving, or they do a good job covering it? I mean, they anybody who's anybody. I think you were on the list at one point for like yeah you know, something. Like, I don't. I, I don't blame them. Uh, it's it, like, it, now I'm pissed. I didn't win. I don't think there's ever been a time where I'm like, how is Donovan Mitchell not on the list or something like that? Like it's it's usually they cover the, all their bases pretty well over there. Like you can't say it's for lack of information when it comes to to making your choice when it comes to voting for this. But I like I I try to read through it all, but sometimes I'm like, oh my god, this is like a three hour project <laughs> to to just post this top ten list. And usually you have a pretty good idea of like the top five that you want to put out there. And I'll give props. Like, yeah, if there have been years where it's there, there's clearly a Kentucky guy, then I'll vote the Kentucky guy number one. But I do want to get in. Like, you know, like sometimes Danny Busboom Kelly needs some love. She like never finishes yeah. in the top ten. She has a you know, national runner up a couple years ago. Come on, five zero two four one four fourteen fifty Thornton text line. Texture says KP getting a second year would make it worse. Second with an asterisk by it. We're not doing the year thing anymore. <laughs> I did love a lot of people jumping on the fact that so. Grant McCaslin, former, you know, he's on the list. Mike Rutherford show coaching candidate list member, one of the first ones. He's getting a lot of attention because Texas Tech is now, at least as of the weekend, number one in the Big Twelve basketball standings. And people are like, "It's his first year," and I'm like, "Tough break, Grant. Doesn't count. <laughs> it's a tough break for you. First years don't count anymore. Not the way it works." Texas, honestly, I'm more interested in betting info for Louisville games now instead of the usual ins and outs. I'm with you, Texter. Tell I, me who's going to hit all the threes for Clemson. Well, I mean, Joe Girard's like the fourth leading three-point shooter in ACC history, so he's a pretty safe bet. And he used to be somewhere else. Syracuse. That's what, okay. It's his first year at Clemson. Okay. I, yeah. The whole orange-to-orange thing was throwing me off. I thought he was at Syracuse. It's a, it's a weird transfer because you know if you're doing an intra-conference transfer, typically you'd expect it to be 
you know, a guy going from a place like Clemson to a place like Syracuse where, you know, Syracuse has been better at basketball historically. They care way more about basketball than they do at Clemson. And Gerard's a, he's a New York native, but he's going to Clemson. He's been a big deal for them this year. He's, he will shoot it from wherever. Clemson also has a kid from Floyd Central. Do they? Jake Hydebreeder. Yeah. He went out to Air Force and then transferred to Clemson this year. I have no idea who that is. I don't, I don't know if he's even played for him this year, but he's, that kid, I saw him in high school a lot. He is, he can shoot. Can he? Well, if, if he's playing it all for him, then. Put him on the list. He might make two threes tonight. <laughs> That's the way Clemson basketball works. That would be wild. Logging on to DraftKings and seeing his name for threes. I, I like as far like betting on Louisville games. I feel like it's such a like I have no idea what this team's going to do from one game to the next. I, I just know they're going to be bad defensively. That's it. So if you have over unders on people like offensive numbers for Clemson players and, and the slow starts, like the race to ten seems like an easy bet for for Clemson, but offensively. Like, Gerard's averaging 14.8 points per game. He's going to shoot a ton of threes. It's what he does. P.J. Hall is, is a beast, but he's he, – I'm sure his over-under for combined points and rebounds is going to be absurdly high in this game. So, I don't like, I don't know if that's a good bet or not. They just – like they're a, they're a good offensive team. We're a bad defensive team. So Do you have the stats there in front of you? For, as far as what? Like, the, the over-under totals for tonight's game? No, I was just thinking – I just wanted, was wondering what Hybrider had done. Um – He's literally not on the roster. He's not? No. He's on the website. He's not. Well, he, he hasn't played a game this year then. Hmm. Must be hurt. Let me look at the let me look at the actual roster. Um, I don't see him. Oh, yeah, there he is. Jake Hybrid. Floyd Knox. Goofy looking one. Yeah. Well, he, you're right. He did put up good numbers um, last season. Was he with Clemson last season? Or Air, Air Force. Air, Air Force. Oh, okay. I mean, he averaged fifteen point one points per game last yeah. year for Air Force. He was he he was playing really well. So yeah, maybe I don't know if it was a didn't get eligible or if he's hurt. I don't know, but not playing tonight. Not going to see him tonight. Uh, there's a lot of questions about. It looks like he, Clemson fans are asking the same thing. What's up with him? He he's redshirting this season. Oh, okay, that makes sense. I I mean it makes sense. He I don't want to stereotype here. But he is a short-ish white guard from Indiana who played at Air Force and shot a ton of threes. Mm-hmm. I'm That's going to kind of what he does. Yeah. I'm going to kind of assume that he would play the same role on this team that Joe Girard is playing, and maybe they're waiting for Girard to graduate and he can step into that role next year. That makes sense. That would be my guess here. Just looking at his nerdy kind of picture on <laughs> on the the ESPN he website. He's, he's, he's got high cheekbones. He's a goofy looking kid, but he, he can ball for sure. So I think we'll see him next year terrorizing Louisville. Uh, we'll read one, one text, and then we'll call it a, a segment here. Dexter says, um, yeah, we, we talked about the Trolley Donovan. Uh, yes. That is a concern for me about Eric Musselman, Dexter. I won't say what your concern is, but I, I am concerned about it for sure. Texture says, Mike, if we hired Beard, I'm buying season tickets the next day. That man will pack the Yum Center year one. When has playing optics ever helped us? I don't think he'll pack the Yum Center year one. I, 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 I bet he would. I don't think so. I think that the contingent of Louisville fans, and it's hard to get a pulse on stuff like this, the contingent of Louisville fans that would want Chris Beard outweighs the contingent of Louisville fans that would have an issue with Chris Beard, but the ones who have an issue with him have an extreme issue. And it would be... Like, I don't, just based on the little that I know from the UofL side, I don't think Chris Beard's going to get the job. I don't. We need a phrase for Beard. We got the must bus. We've got Mick as the pick. 
get weird with beard. No, we'll be getting weird. <laughs> um, although with his past, might want to stray away from. Well, that. I mean, it's 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 reflective of the the <laughs> argument here. I think the people that would be excited about Chris Beard would be very excited about him. I think the people that would be hesitant about Chris Beard would be very, very hesitant about him. And I'm not sure that that's what you want when you're trying to repair the program and repair the fan base. And I, I think that Josh Hurd understands that. But like I said, I don't, I don't know. It, at the end of the day, if he, if Josh thinks that Beard, he'll do his own research. And if he thinks that Beard was totally clear in the situation in Texas and he thinks that, that Beard can come here and win national titles, I think he'll give Beard the job. If Beard wants it. We have no idea if, if our interest would even be reciprocated. Maybe Chris Beard is fine in the SEC. Mm-hmm. He can do some of the stuff he was doing at Texas Tech in the SEC. <laughs> he can, uh, you know, people aren't, aren't really watching down there in Oxford, Mississippi. He can get away with a lot of stuff um, that, that you probably can't get away with in Louisville. It's all just like, it's an argument, a discussion, a debate that I think is fracturing an already fractured fan base, and I'm not even sure it's worth happening at this point because I don't think that he's a, a front-runner to land the job. Let's take a break. Uh, when we come back, more text from you guys. We'll get an update on this story from Kansas City. We'll get Scoots' thoughts on that. It's the Mike Rutherford Show, the Tuesday edition here on 1450 and 96.1, The Big X. Welcome back in the Tuesday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show, 1450 Nice. It's one of the big X. We got Justin Kalen, aka Scooter Dingus, in the house. We got Trey Ryan in the house. It's a big family affair here as we roll on on a Tuesday, getting ready for Louisville versus Clemson tonight in Little John Coliseum. Nine o'clock tip on tip off on ACC Network. The story that that has fascinated the Mike Rutherford Show for a couple of weeks now is the story out of Kansas City, getting a lot of national attention. Basically, a guy has four friends. We thought three originally. Now it's we know it's four friends come over to his house to watch the Chiefs game at the begin the first weekend of January. Two days later, three of those friends are found in his backyard dead, not buried or anything. Not buried or anything. Jordan Willis is the guy whose house it is that they came over to. He's been claiming that he spent the forty eight hours between the games and when the bodies were discovered by by police. Asleep on the couch. For two days? For two days. I don't know if I realized that before. He, he was next to a loud fan and wearing noise-canceling headphones, so he was unaware of the flurry of calls and messages from loved ones. Also was unaware at one point of the, the fiancé of one of the men who died trying to break into his house to get in to see him. The other thing that... The, so We have an update on this story. Because it's, it's weird. It's, it's a crazy story. It's, it's a bizarre story. These guys are missing for two days. Finally, the families start looking for them, and I think the fiance is the first one to discover she sees his car on the, the front street, tries to break into the house, can't get into the house, goes around back and sees one body on the back porch and then two other bodies. And you know, the, the initial story that comes out is they froze to death, and people are like, no, that's not what happened at all. The new detail for via one of the brothers of, of one of the men who died said, 
that when his brother was found, because the initial report was they found three men lying in the, the on the ground in the backyard dead. He shared that he actually was the one who went back there and found his brother and found him just sitting on a lawn chair on the back porch. Not all of them on the ground. Paints a totally different picture than what we saw at the beginning. But the latest update from the Kansas City Police is they're still saying that there's no evidence of foul play, hmm. which seems strange. The spokesperson for the Kansas City Police Department, uh, Alana Gonzalez, said there still remain this still remains a death investigation and nothing more. We still have no evidence of foul play. No one is in police custody. Um, the guy, Jordan Willis, all he keeps saying is he's unaware of how his friends died, even though his story has changed dramatically since the story first broke, and he's anxiously awaiting the results of it, the autopsy and the toxicology report. It's all you're getting out of him. His lawyer is very much like, hey, don't, don't say anything else. They haven't completed the toxicology yet? Not yet. These things take time, apparently. But either this guy was involved in something nefarious to kill these people, or... There was just a bad drug involved, or maybe both. Maybe he knew that this was going to happen. It, it's it's hard to buy the the the, the story of him just sleeping for, for two days straight and never right. checking his phone, never checking his messages, not uh, not keeping tabs on what happened with his friends. But also, there's no like bullet wounds. There's no stab wounds. There's no. I mean, I guess he technically could have poisoned them, but that would be you know. I'm fast. I've got to know what happened here. So what you went to law school? What uh, for a year? What for, for, you went? You for went. One year. You went. That's the that's the. I was technically part. in the class and took the finals. <laughs> what percentage would you put on him not having anything to do with this? Like him truly not having a clue what happened to them. Like five percent. That high? Yeah. I'm going like two percent. You think? Yeah. I'm putting it five percent just because there's some weird. Like, the longer I live, the more I realize there's just some weird people out there. Yeah, like I, I, it's insane for us, and I don't know what this person's background is, but it's insane for us to imagine having friends over and then just not looking at our phone, or our computers, or whatever for two days, yeah. and just kind of like sleeping things off on the couch. But maybe for some people, it, like it, 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 it's a thing that happens. It, it's a thing that they would do, and it's kind of in line with their character. I don't know. I mean, there definitely are weird scenarios that can play out. I don't know if you've seen the uh, American Nightmare. Oh, I, I brought you, that up. You brought it up before. I, so, I mean, I that, it's good. that whole thing was just this couple getting blamed for being a big hoax when, in reality, it, was all, it all really happened. They just had to unravel everything. And every now and then there are crazy stories like that. Here's the thing that, that I... That kind of makes me not buy it, though, is he says he slept through all the calls, all the text messages. He slept through the fiance trying to break down the front door, which was right where he was sleeping on the couch. He didn't sleep through the cops coming. The cops showed up at his house, and he was awake, and he let them into the house, and he knew that they, you know he knew something was going on, and he was working with them and all this stuff. Like He didn't sleep through that. They didn't have to break in and kind of like jolt him awake. Like He knew that was going on. It, it like He had to have known that something happened. Maybe it was... You know, they, they took drugs and he didn't, and he's he gave them the drugs and he's worried about like he didn't know it was going to kill him, but when they when he realized that something happened, he didn't know what to do and he just kind of hoped it would would go away or uh, let me just sleep it off. I've got no <laughs> idea. I mean, people react to you know, 
you, you feel like you would react some way in a situation like that, but who knows? I don't know. If I've got three people in my backyard just dead, I'm not going to try to sleep it off and act like it all goes away. I mean, some, maybe just be oh, froze. Maybe, maybe a neighbor will come over and drag them away. I don't know what I would do. I assume I would I would like to think that I would just call the cops immediately and well, be like, yeah. whatever happens to me happens. Like, yeah, I screwed up. Uh, this I call the families. I try to get help, but... I, I, I guess you don't know until it actually happens to you. So uh, is he still cooperating with police? Still cooperating. Not okay. He's not being pressed for a, no charges pressed. It's just a, it's business as usual for now. I guess they're waiting to see it, but when the, what the toxicology report brings back. But this is a, it's a wild story. I can't wait for the Netflix documentary on this in like three years. I mean, I guess the good thing he or the one thing he has going for him is the fact that he hasn't tried to run away. Yeah, because that would make him look ultra guilty. Well, at that point, it's like if, if he runs away, you feel like he's either getting arrested. Or he's like going to kill himself. Like that's kind of like you're admitting your guilt at that mm-hmm. point. Here's my question: Do you think this guy is still watching like the Chiefs games and is t- can take like any sort oh, of joy whatsoever man. in them going to the Super Bowl? Because my I would assume like the Chiefs are kind of ruined forever for yeah. me at that point. But I don't know who this person is. Maybe he's just an evil guy. That's the side of the story I never even thought about. Yeah, I mean if I if that something like that played out with me and my friends and we were all fans of the same team, yeah, I don't I don't know if I could watch them anymore. If I die at your house watching a Chiefs game and I'm a Chiefs fan and like you don't help me out or let my fa- I'm haunting the hell out of you <laughs> for the rest of my life. Like, it's like, and I have to miss the Super Bowl. Like they 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 might win the Super Bowl again yeah. and like, I don't get to experience it. I'm, I'm just I'm haunting you for the rest of your life. Me specifically? Well, if, yeah, whoever did that did oh. that to me. I was being, you don't have to haunt me. I got mice in my house. Well, <laughs> they haunt me enough. How, well, do you have a mouse update? No. Are you guys, I, you guys I, good? I checked the back door when I got home last night, and the mouse was not there. So Thank God. I can assume he scurried off and got eaten by a snake. Good. Well, that's a <laughs> circle of life. You don't care about the snakes? Nope. Just want the the mice gone. That's fine. Um, Thornton's sex line is 502-414-1450. Is there, what, I'm trying to think of like, the crazy. Cause for a brief period, I got into the true crime podcast and the, the true crime reality shows. Like, I watched the Making a Murderer Netflix special mm-hmm. like everybody else did. The one that always, like the best true crime documentary, because the thing that always frustrates me is when you, you're you expecting some sort of resolution at the end, and then you get to the end, and it's like, we'll never know. Yeah, they, they, yeah. They, it was like the last episode of Serial, when, when Serial was the first hot podcast, and you're like, well, surely we're going to find, like, did Adnan do it? The last episode's going to tell us. And, and, like, the whole last episode is her explaining why she can't come to a conclusion. I'm like, well, this sucks. Kind of the same thing with Making a Murderer, no? Making a Murderer, yeah. Although I, I, It's I, very I, open-ended. I feel like Dassey has got railroaded. That's the one thing that you can say. I feel like That's he just... Brennan? Yeah, the, yeah. The, like the young kid got screwed. He's still in jail, by the way. Um, would not be shocked if Avery had something to do with it, but I don't know. I don't. Th- I don't think he did. I was on their side the whole time. I can see. Like, I think it's like fifty-fifty with Avery. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if he was totally set up. There was some weird stuff that wasn't in the documentary about how he kind of stalked her a little bit and like requested her specifically to come out. Yeah. But he was also just like kind of a weird guy, right? And uh, but Dassey, I feel like just completely got railroaded. One of my good friends from college, who's from Milwaukee, he married a girl from that county. And like, just always would tease her about how like he heard that she dated Brendan Dassey. Was that Manitowoc? Manitowoc, yeah. yeah, whatever it was. He'd always be like, "I heard you dated Brendan Dassey." In high school. <laughs> like all this, all this stuff. I was like, "Yeah." Um, I can only remember that because they make ice machines. I don't know if they make them there in that county, but there's a Manitowoc ice machine. But everybody watched that show, and it was very good. But the best one, the, the one that had like the final resolution, was the Jinx on HBO. If you ever watched that or heard of it, it was nope. about about Robert Durst, the 
the very wealthy New York socialite who had a wife mysteriously die in like the seventies and then had another one had, had a, a close friend die in, in mysterious fashion a few and all these people around him just like kept dying and he kept getting away with it. Like he I mean he got at one point he was like hiding in Texas and and like dressing up as a woman. And his apartment mate, like the, the person who had the apartment next to him, his neighbor, got hacked up. And mm. like they found his body parts in the the, the lake in, in the city and there was his blood like all over Durst's apartment and all this stuff. And he got away with it by claiming like self defense and and like he panicked and ha- and hacked his whole body up and all. It, it's insane the fact that he was still on like living at large. But he does this documentary where he gives these guys full access and he he, he interviews with them forever. And they feel like they finally get the smoking gun. They bring him back for a last interview where they've they've basically they've matched his handwriting, like a little glitch in his handwriting, with a with with a note that was written to this woman who got murdered and part of her like setup. And they're like, and he's like, he's like, eh, I think it's my handwriting. And, and they do the whole documentary and they kind of end it. And then he goes to the bathroom and forgets that his mic is on. And he starts talking. He's like talking to himself. He's like, and he's like, well, there it is. You're caught. And like, like all this stuff. Oh, snap. Yeah. And, he, and he's like, and of course you did it. Killed them all. And like, all, and like talk. And like, so it's like the one documentary where you're like, holy bleep. Like this is like, we, we got him. Like we found out at the end. And he did end up getting uh, tried for the murder of his friend and was found guilty, and then he died of, of like cancer, like a year after he finally gets caught. Serves him right, yeah. Which 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 feels like, come on, like you know, he, he deserved to spend way more time in jail than like nine months. But, yeah, uh, it, but that how, one's crazy. That's how I feel about the whole Aaron Hernandez thing. Well, yeah, he took the easy way out. When they found him, I was so mad. Yeah, it's it's a coward's way out. But Durst just died of disease. He was. He was a coward for different reasons, but that one's great. That, that that's a great documentary, a great true crime. But this one will probably be a good one too, mm-hmm. unless it's something like really simple, like they took some drugs that had fentanyl in them and they, they died, and the guy and their friend fell asleep for two. I days. mean, yeah, that would that would I guess help the argument why he slept for two days. Yeah, I guess I don't know. I don't know. How I mean, he OD too works. and just just slept through came it. Came out of it. Can you do that? I've got no idea. Yeah, I don't either. Yeah, five zero two four one four fourteen fifty. Let's take some text. Thornton's text line. Texture says. The, I mean, come on. Texas says, I don't think I'll even bother putting the game on tonight. Even if it's close late in the second half, I'm so checked out. There's no hope for KP. Also, Bring Brom Home Guy is the most annoying tweeter on the app these days, but I can't bring myself to unfollow the guy because he did bring Brom home. I have to respect the legend. At what point does he just give up the whole thing? The whole, like, Mick is the pick? Yeah. Does that happen before the coaching search? Maybe. Uh, I mean, I, I think he probably keeps it going. I mean, I, I feel like the... What's he going to do after they name a head coach? And it's not Mick. He's, he might lose it. I, I, I do feel like the only reason he's doing this is he's just kind of bored. Like, sometimes there are ill-conceived sequels. Like, we don't need a sequel. We don't need a reboot. Like, he won. Like, yeah. bring, the, the Bring Brom Home thing, most people were annoyed by him while it was happening. And... He but kept, he made it out. He like kept going. I mean, I was annoyed by it when it was happening. Like, as somebody who even wanted Jeff Brom to go home, I still don't need to be like spammed every single day. And, and the Mick is the pick thing is is annoying now. But he like kept going, kept going, kept going. And at the end, he gets he basically gets vindicated. Like Josh heard when they announced that Jeff Brom's the coach, like shouts him out. He <laughs> won our our, uh, our our poll for Card Chronicle Person of the Year. Like, <laughs> like, you know, he was he was he that was his moment. Like he won. He should have retired forever. You have the yeah. year in the Hall of Fame. 
And it was like he just got bored. And it was like, I, we have to do it again. Now we're doing the Mick is the Pick thing, and people just hate it. It's like Disney releasing Lion King, and arguably the greatest Disney movie of all time, and then they put out Lion King one and a half. Like, it was so bad. I think Lion King is my favorite Disney movie of For all sure. time. I don't think I ever saw the like the Lion King one and a half. Never watched it. Some of the ones, like now, because we have Disney Plus, and, and Virginia is, is super into Disney, and so like all these ill-conceived sequels that didn't need to get made, they pop up, and she's like, I want to watch that. And so I, like, we'll put on, like, like there's a Little Mermaid, like Ariel's sister's thing. And it's, really? It's so bad. It's terrible. Like, it's, like, I don't even know how, I don't know how it got the green light at all to go forward. It's just such a, a money grab. There's no story. The voices are different. The music sucks. Like, mm. it's just, it's all so bad. I'm assuming that's the case with the Lion King one. Um, Texas says, high school basketball player winning is an indictment of the state. I mean, or the state's voters. Again, like we have, we've, like the NFL is the most popular sport in the country. It's probably like the second most sports league in the entire world. And the best player this past season, the guy who's going to win MVP and maybe win it unanimously, is from Louisville. He's on the list and he's still finishing behind two high school basketball players. So. I am, I am curious to the breakdown amongst fanhood of the people who that fill that out. Like, what percent is Kentucky fans? What percent is Louisville fans? What percent is other? I mean, it's a statewide thing, so I, I would assume it's like 90%, like Kentucky State. You media. think that high? Yeah. I, I think they're real. I mean, because when, when he's also taken into account, like, there's Louisville media that aren't Louisville fans that are not as inclined to vote for, like, Louisville people as somebody like me or, you know, like Mark Ennis or, or, or somebody like that. So it, it's very, I think the representation of people who would skew towards UofL figures is very low. I mean, you see it every single year. Like, yeah. It, it t- I think Lamar won it once when he won the Heisman, and I, I think even then it was like very close with like the third best high school football player in Kentucky <laughs> or something. Um, Texture says he's a zaniac, zaniac on the floor, falling on his knees and missing threes galore. He's only missed one three. He's a, he continues. He's a zaniac, zaniac on the floor. He's filling up a stat sheet at a rate we've never seen before. It's a great, it, it's a great song. I enjoy it. He's a zaniac. That's Zampanga. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was trying to figure out who it is. Zampanga. Okay. He loves it. Texture says, opening up, oh, opening up the transfer portal before conference tournaments is insane to me. I'd like to see it open uh, at a minimum after Selection Sunday, but ideally after the season is wrapped up. I'm with you there. Open it up a week later before the NCAA tournament so that teams that are out of the conference tournament could, uh, I guess, have players hit the portal. And then... Extend it a week if you have to to like May seventh. It doesn't have to be like a big round date. Like just make it May seventh or whatever. Uh, it, it seems silly, but they do this with football too, where it's the, the portal's open basically after the regular season's over. Mm-hmm. So teams are preparing for bowl games. Some of them teams are preparing for conference championship games, and, and they've got guys entering the portal. I don't think we had anybody enter the portal before the loss to Florida State. Like I, I don't think we had anybody enter it at, before we played for the ACC title. But we definitely had tons of guys do it between conference championship and the bowl game. But yeah, you would hate to have a a situation where a dude feels the need to to put his name in the transfer portal because he wants to make it known that he he's going to play somewhere else next year, but doesn't get to experience March Madness. You want maybe it's in your best interest to play somewhere else next year, but you still want to finish this thing out with your friends. But you probably feel a little obligated to have your name in there as early as possible. Mm-hmm. The whole thing just sucks. I, I I just I know there's no way to do it perfectly. But I hate the fact that in both major sports, but especially college football, the postseason is so dominated by where's this coach going to go, where's this player going to go, and 
the games outside of the the, the four team playoff feel almost secondary to the other stuff. And in the NCAA tournament, it's kind of true too. You, uh, you will have every single year a team make a deep run in the tournament, and before their Sweet Sixteen or their Elite Eight game, there's all this talk about, hey, the coach is going to take the job whenever you all lose, and it's just it kind of taints the entire thing. I don't think we'll get to a point where you'll have teams in the NCAA tournament whose players are dropping out just to get in the portal. But do you could you see that happening for like the NIT CBI? Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah. I mean, I, but I, not the big tournament, right? I would hope not, right? Just because it's such a like college basketball is the sport whose postseason defines it. Yeah. The most, it's like the pearl and the oyster. Yeah, I mean, I think you you know you think about NFL playoffs and you think about MLB playoffs and stuff, but no sport is defined more by its postseason than college basketball is by March Madness. Yeah, and it's such a unique experience for everybody involved. I mean, you do see it now, like still, sometimes like an assistant coach will have taken a job at another program during the tournament, but will stay on just to coach, kind of like we see in college football a lot. Yeah. Um, but as far as like guys dropping off the team right when we hit March, I would hope that that's not going to be the case. But I mean, I think we all kind of—I don't think we thought that it was going to be this extreme in college football either. Right. When you started seeing a couple of guys here and there say that they weren't going to play in the bowl games, and now it's like hundreds of guys are are not playing in the bowl games. Well, there's also more guys that are drafted in the NFL too. So I don't know if it ever will get to that level. Oh, are you are you, are you talking about just like players who are? Not playing in the postseason to to save for their draft status. Not, not well. I mean that that's not initially what I was going for, but I mean that's kind of where I rounded into is that that could also I guess happen. Guys that just want to drop out, but also basketball is not as inherently dangerous as football. It's not, and also, you know, if you would think about saving your your your. your Exclude like not playing in a game for your draft. Like, why wouldn't you do it just in February? Why wouldn't you just do it early? Because there's really no difference in sitting out like those games. I think people sit out the the bowl games because they they basically don't matter yeah. outside of the playoff, and, and it makes sense. Like you said, football is a injury prone game. You take you know, you get one big hit to the head, it can change your entire career. Why take an unnecessary risk? I think the only time that that's been discussed was the Zion Williamson thing when he. It was having that ridiculous season in 2019, and he had the famous the blown shoe against yeah. North Carolina, where he had the knee injury, and he was sidelined for a little bit. And there were a lot of people writing, "Hey, just you're gonna be the number one pick. Just sit it out. Like, why even play the rest of the year?" And he came back and played in the NCAA tournament, and they ended up getting upset in the Elite Eight. But that was the one time where I feel like it's been discussed, and since then it's kind of been like, eh, yeah. I mean, like you said, it's not as much of an injury-prone game. Yeah, you could blow out your ACL, but you can blow out your ACL in practice any day. You, you could be doing private workouts. And you have not the same level of risk as you do in an actual game, but close enough that it's worth. It's just it's totally night and day from the football discussion where there's nothing like live action, full pads, full game. Like, like injury risk is high every single time you step on the field. Well, and I just think the sheer number of draft picks also helps it. Like, there's what? How many picks in the NFL? Two hundred something. Yeah, seven rounds with uh, with thirty. What? Thirty two. Thirty two picks so, per round, yeah. as opposed to like two hundred. I think two hundred twelve. Whereas the NBA, you've only got 60 picks. Yeah. Texture says, uh, there once was a man named Kenny, hesitant to read this, whose program was worth a penny. <laughs> that much? He brought the card shame when they lost every game, and now I just dream about Denny. That was good. <laughs> that was good. Great limerick. <laughs> I was worried that we were going to get a Nantucket. 
type deal. <laughs> Texas says that if Beard uh, does get hired, does he live life mistake-free for getting a job at a top program? But most importantly, he will have a greater access to Thornton's locations to use his Thornton's rewards. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I mean, that's... I, I've got a lot of concern with Beard. A lot of it does stem from what happened in Texas, but not all of it does. I, I think there's concern that, like... He hasn't changed dramatically since some of the issues that led to what happened in Texas. And I think that would be, like I said before, it's, I think it's sort of a ticking time bomb situation. And I don't want it to go off while he's at Louisville because we've had ticking time bombs go off several times over the last 10 years. And it's kind of tanked the program. Much safer options. Texas says, uh, let's see. Must bus. Mick is the pick. People are clamoring for beard. So clam beard. Uh, no, no, we can't do that. <laughs> Texas says, fear the beard. There we go. That works. I can't say the second part. So. God, I mean, the text line is getting more and more to a point. Like, like it used to be we'd have like four or five where I'm like, yeah, I can't read that. The text line is just getting more and more bold. I don't, I don't know <laughs> if it's recent events here at the station or if it's, you know, the, the unsettled, like, like people going more and more frustrated with the basketball program as we get closer to the end of the season and a, a coaching change. But people are just... <laughs> Are just doing, uh, it's just, just, yeah. I don't know. Texas, I have to say that Scoot's music on the show is fantastic. So suck it, Scoot's hater. Hey, yo. Thanks. Texas, getting back to the Scoot's attempting to impregnate an ex lover multiple times who turned out to be a lesbian story. Do you think they got divorced because one of them slept with a man multiple times? My, the first thing that I heard when I got home last night, my wife had many questions about this. So, no, but. A little more background. So me and the girl, we had had relations in the past. Right. And we were all kind of, I was friends with both of them. And we actually had a sit down discussion for, I think we were there for like two hours. Went to Cluckers actually. And we just talked about the semantics of it all. Hey, how are you all going to feel in this situation? How are you going to, like, we broke it all down. So I don't think I have anything to do with it. Because her girl knew that was going to happen. She was fine with it. Do you think if you'd picked a different restaurant that things could have gone differently? Is Cluckers the best stop for a sit-down talk about an ex-lover turned lesbian being impregnated by the previous Yes, because we were on the river and everybody was happy. <laughs> <laughs> I want a Netflix documentary on this. The amount of Big X documentary. I said this for, I've said this for years. The, the amount of Big X like investigative podcasts we could have over <laughs> stuff that just happens here, especially right now, could be off the charts. This is, a, this is an entire offshoot for us, a possibility. We, we could have a whole subset of just material and yeah. media that people would, would digest. Of course. I mean, yeah. We used to have, for KRC, we used to do like Patreon, and yeah. we, would, we would do uncensored podcasts. So I think that's actually how this story first came out. I don't think I told that story over the air. I think we could make that happen again. Uh, we got the 5 o'clock hour coming up next. We'll uh, get you ready for the Clemson game. We'll talk about some other stuff and get you uh, your, all your thoughts on the text line at 502-414-1450. It's the Mike Rutherford Show. Hour number three on the way next here on 1450.
like this. Road ahead. People saying we'd be better off dead. Five o'clock hour here, the Mike Rutherford Show. Tuesday edition on 1450 96.1, the Big X. Keep on rocking in the free world. Got the cards taken on at Clemson tonight at 9 o'clock. It's the tip-off in Little John Coliseum. One yeah, of yeah. two places that Louisville has not won a game since joining the ACC in 2014-15. Trivia time, Scoots, what's the other one? No road wins for Louisville oh at two places this since was joining t- the ACC. We got a text about it today on Spears. Clemson's the hard one to get. Oh, my. It has to be Duke, right? No, we've won multiple games. In North Duke. Carolina? No, we've won multiple games in North Carolina. Oh, my God. Who would be third on that list? Who, where do you go to next in terms of Virginia? Uh, Virginia. Uh, Louisville. Louisville the, the, the difference there is Louisville plays Virginia every single year. They play them twice every single year, so they play them on the road every year since joining the ACC, and they've not won. Why is that one of the teams they play twice? Because they walked into, basically, when, when Louisville assumed the spot in the conference that Maryland had held. And so they got Maryland's twice every year opponent from the Coastal Division in football was Virginia. Their double opponent in basketball was Virginia. So we got Virginia. Gotcha. They kind of like tried to force this rivalry. Uh, I think our other double opponents in basketball have always been Pitt and somebody else. If so. you could, would you trade Maryland spots to go be in the Big Ten and they come back to the ACC? I mean, initially, no. I think now you'd kind of be foolish not to because. The Big Ten and the SEC are the only two stable conferences for the future uh, of college sports, so I think you'd have to. Mm-hmm. I like the fit in the ACC more. It's more, you know, it's 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 more of a basketball conference. We've been more of a basketball program. The football is is good, but it's not as much of a just gauntlet as the SEC or the Big Ten is on a week to week basis. So I, I like the way the the ACC and you have a couple of teams that you've created not great rivalries with, but you have some history there with. Uh, I, I like the fit for the ACC, but I think you'd be foolish not to trade places now who is the biggest rival in the ACC I mean we've talked about this on the show a lot it's it's weird you felt like you were you felt like you were establishing some really good rivalries in the Big East back in the day and you've had rivalries develop organically at, at times like, like Marquette and basketball at the end of Conference USA and then into the Big East became a really good basketball rival just because you played all these crazy games against each other and you both got really good but, I mean, Louisville had Cincinnati, which was a historic rival that followed them with Conference USA, mm-hmm. Metro like, into the Big East. I, I think that they had something really good going with West Virginia in football for a while there. And then they had something going with Syracuse a little bit. And then the Syracuse thing just has not carried over into the ACC. For what I mean, the football program has not been good for them. And both basketball programs have dipped a little bit after the first couple of years in the, in the conference. And, and then, like, you know, Duke and UNC – you're never going to be like a primary rival with them no. in basketball. And same thing with, with Clemson and Florida State in football and Miami. Like, you know, you, you may be kind of like a, you may have a little thing going. We've had a nice little back and forth with FSU, but you're never going to be like the team that they're circling every single year. And Clemson, we've had great games with, but we've never beaten them. So you can't really call them a rival. So I, I think you don't have that one rival that carries over across all sports that you just kind of hate. I mean, Syracuse, maybe. Like, Wake Forest has probably been the best example we've had because we've had all these weird stuff happen between the two programs, especially in football. Uh, and then in basketball, you know, we, we've sucked recently. They've kind of sucked throughout the, the time that we've been in the conference. So, I don't know. It's, what a, it sucks. Louisville's been in the ACC, what, 10 years now? This will be. This is the, the ninth season, I guess. Okay. That, so, do you think that'll come in time? I don't – I mean, I don't know because – we had been in the Big East for less amount of time. We were in the Big East from uh, 2000, the 05-06 season through 2012-13, and 
And it felt like we established more rivals in those seven seasons or eight seasons than we have in almost a decade in the ACC. So like, I, there's just there's almost no room for other rivals yeah. in this conference already, unless you're talking about Syracuse and Pitt. You can go Georgia Tech. They don't have a rival in the conference, right? Yeah, but right? nobody wants to be a rival with Georgia Tech because they don't they, they don't matter. Same with Boston College. They probably don't have a rival. Exactly. Like, who cares? <laughs> uh, about, like, you you want to be like rivals with Duke and UNC in basketball because they're the top dogs. And honestly, if we had been more competitive, there could be a really good rivalry with Virginia because mm-hmm. you know we came in as coming off a national title and coming off of having some really good teams. And Virginia was, at that point, starting to hit its stride and becoming perennial regular season champions and getting one season in the tournament. And we had a great game where we beat them at the buzzer or near the buzzer in uh, in 2015. And then we just never beat them. So like, that could have been a, a really cool secondary rivalry in the ACC. And instead, it kind of became like Virginia and Duke now are little rivals. And, and Virginia's having... No, they got Virginia Tech, too. And, and they have a, a natural built-in rival in Virginia Tech, but they've been so much better than Virginia Tech. Yeah. So, yeah, I wish we had a better conference rival at this point, but it just... A lot of that's our own fault for, well, when not, you, for not being consistently good. When you break down the teams that don't have a rival, I don't know that that's a group you want to be a part of. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason. Like I said, like Wake Forest is probably the, the, the team that we've had the most organic contentiousness with because of the, the football back and forth. But like we don't want to be their rival, and they don't want to be our <laughs> rival. Like, like they want to be rivals with Carolina and Duke yeah. and the other the triangle programs and and that you know those programs are kind of like whatever. Like go back to your Winston Salem, cool. Like you suck, and we're like you know we don't want Wake Forest. And they're like we don't really care about Louisville. So it's it's like this forced rivalry that neither side wants, uh, which which sucks. Tonight uh, is Louisville is a sixteen point underdog against Clemson. We talked a little bit about it in the first hour. It's a Clemson team coming off of a narrow loss to Duke, a game they probably should have won. They're now just three and five in the ACC, and they've lost five of their last seven games. But it's a Clemson team that. If the tournament started today, would probably be in because the metrics love them. They've got three quad one wins. They're number twenty two in the net rankings. They're number twenty eight on Ken Palm. They've got a lot going for them, but they can ill afford a home loss to a program like Louisville, which would, depressingly enough for both sides, be a quadrant four defeat, which could tank their NCAA tournament resume. So I do think you get Clemson's best shot. Scoots, a lot of people. Dating back to the 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 Pegues Max season, a lot of people, both like my friends and national people, they're like, "Are you really watching all these games? Like, like how much? How many of these games are you actually watching? When do you check out?" And I've said the same thing, and I've said it honestly. Like, I watch every single game, start to finish. Now, part of it is I get paid to do it. I'm doing it on the website. I come here and I talk about it. We do the podcast too. Like, it, it's my job to watch the games and to evaluate what I see. But even before I was getting paid to do this, like I watched pretty much every Louisville game from start to finish, unless I had like my own game growing up or you know a family obligation. It's just kind of it's in your blood. Like I've always watched every Louisville game. I'm going to keep watching every Louisville game. Tonight is a night that I wish I could just take off. <laughs> and this is I, look, we don't tell lies in the show. We're very open about who we are, and it's embarrassing to admit this, but I've said it before. Over the last few months, my wife and I got very into watching the entire series Vanderpump Rules, the Bravo show. It swept the nation by storm with the big scandal back last spring. Everybody was talking to us about it. I had friends that watched the show. And so we're like, whatever. We need a new show. Let's give it a shot. It's like 11 seasons to get through. A lot. And it's it's back tonight. The highly anticipated debut for season 11 is tonight. 
Scandal happened last spring. Everybody was talking about it. Now we get the, the beginning of the resolution process, the picking of the pieces process. I would really like to watch the first episode tonight. It's at 8 o'clock. That's the, doable. The games, the problem is we got to get the kids down to sleep. Oh. So, and you know, I now I'm at a point too where I, I, I don't want to deal with commercials if it's anything besides live sports. But your kids are still awake at 8 o'clock? We put them to bed around 8. Hmm. Yeah. Seems late. It's not late. Not that I'm calling you a bad parent. It's 8 but. o'clock. I mean, if John takes a nap, he doesn't go to sleep like 10.30. So, Yeesh. yeah, he's, he, he's a Lock night Lock in owl. for some Vanderpump rules, John. Well, the thing is, so, like, I don't want to watch it live without commercials anyway. With commercials anyway, I want to wait till I have it on DVR. Have wait till it pops up on Peacock and and be able to just kind of like fly through the commercials. Mm-hmm. But I can't do that because the Louisville game's from nine to eleven, and you don't really. I don't really want to like barely want to stay up till eleven thirty when I get done with post game stuff and watch Kenny Payne give every terrible excuse possible for why they just lost by twenty again to start at eleven thirty and like watch till midnight. So, so they're they're an hour. They're an hour-long show. Like, without commercials, probably like 45 minutes. So I feel like we're going to end up having to wait till tomorrow. I don't want to wait till tomorrow. Here's what you do. I want to watch it tonight. Here's what you do. You watch, you start the recording at like 8.20, and then you've got 20 minutes worth of commercials to fast forward through. And if you can't get through it by 9, which odds are you probably won't, finish it at halftime. Maybe. We, We might. Easy solution. The thing is, we're banking a lot. Our kids are unpredictable. We're banking a lot on being able to go back there right at eight and having them fall asleep in like ten minutes. Sometimes one kid does, sometimes the other kid's fighting it for like forty five minutes. You know, you never know. Give them some Nyquil. Well, we're not going to do that. We're, we're not going to do that. <laughs> maybe a little mel- maybe melatonin gummies. I don't know. Maybe we'll have to make a plan there. I, who knows? But this, I, I would love for this to be a night where I'm like, I just, I can't watch this team play. Who cares if they even are competitive in this game? They're not going to be. I think they're going to lose pretty handily. And then we're going to have, like, the fact that, like, my wife's going to be dying to watch Vanderpump, and I'm going to be sitting there, like, listening to Kenny Payne on the live stream being like, it's, they, they're not fighting. we got to fight. we got to keep fighting for each other. And I'm like, oh, my God, just stop. Like, get, get this over with. It does, it, 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 I think it's very much going to be a, do I, why did I choose this career path? Why am I doing this? This would be so much easier if I just had a normal, why did I not just finish law school? Lawyers get to watch Vanderpump whenever they want. They don't have to do this. I feel like I'm gonna, I'm putting myself in that situation for tonight. I usually love my job, and I feel like the luckiest person in the world. Tonight will be one of those rare occasions where I'm like, I should have just become a plumber, like Chris. I should. <laughs> Chris gets to watch Vanderpump whenever he wants. He can yeah. just turn the U of L game off. Doesn't have to do anything. You don't need not to work if you own your own business. I would love to do it, but it is on that note. It is Louisville versus Clemson tonight, nine o'clock ACC Network. Uh, cards at last check, 16 point underdog. Just checked again, they're 15 and a half point underdogs at some books. DraftKings Draft still has them as a 16 point dog. Who's betting Louisville? I don't know. What in the world? Some, some people are. Uh, Louisville leads the all time series nine to five. They, like, I write the little preview every single time, and it's so depressing. Like, with every game, I do like the series, Louisville leads, whatever. And then it's the last meeting section right after that, and I'm like, Virginia Tech won. Duke won. North Carolina won because the last meeting has always been a Louisville loss. And today I felt so good to be able to type Louisville won 83-73 <laughs> last year on February 18th, 2023. Double digit win. One of their two conference victories last season. They beat Clemson on the night that they honored the the 10th anniversary of the 2013 National Championship team. Uh, as previously mentioned, Louisville 1-5 in five all-time in road games against Clemson, but none of those victories have taken place since the program joined the ACC in 2014-15. They're 0-5 since then. Their only road victory over Clemson took place back in 1973. 
Brad Brownell, the Clemson head coach, five and six in games against Louisville. Uh, Kenny Payne, one and zero. Oh. I take that. <laughs> no, he's not. He's not one and zero. He's he's one and one in games against Clemson. They did split the season series last year with Clemson winning the first one, eighty three to seventy. Clemson more led by offense than defense so far this season. PJ Hall is an All American candidate. He's a big guy who can. Um, Beach inside, beach up on the boards. He's going to be a bear for Brent Huntley Hatfield to handle. Joe Girard is an outside assassin. Fourth all-time in the ACC in three-pointers made. Transferred in from Syracuse. And then Ian Shifflin is uh, one of just 11 players in America, averaging at least 9.5 points, 9.5 rebounds, and two assists per game. And the only player in the ACC posting that stat line. They're, uh, you know, they do what they do well. Like, they're going to be well-coached. They're going to be, uh, they're going to control the pace. They don't turn it over a ton. They shoot the ball very well from pretty much every spot on the floor. They're in the top 100 in every shooting metric that's out there. 24th in free throw percentage, 27th in two-point percentage, and 87th in three-point percentage. They're not great defensively. They're not terrible. The good news for Louisville, they won't try to turn you over a lot. They're not going to play a lot of high-pressure defense. They play kind of that the, the, the pack line principles where they're trying to clean up on the glass and force outside shots. They do force uh, teams to, to, to you know, take a decent amount of threes. If Lowell's not shooting well tonight, which a lot of times they won't be, I'm sort of pressed just talking about this. They, you know, it's, it's going to be a long game for them. I, mean, I have a hard time seeing Louisville winning this game. I guess there's a world in which Clemson doesn't shoot it well from the outside and Louisville does a good job on the inside and the interior defense. And it's just a, you know, it's a bad shooting night and Louisville gets hot and they can play close. My issue is Clemson does a good job at getting easy baskets, and they've got two really good front court players. We love allowing backdoor cuts for points, and we love allowing stuff in the paint. It's hard for me to see it, even if they're having a bad shooting night, not just being able to pivot and get a ton of points inside the arc. So uh, I, I don't see tonight going very well. That said, I didn't see Miami going very well, and they won that game, but... I don't know. Do you have any hope, Scoots, of Louisville at least making this a game where we're we're talking about can they get it done at some point in the second half? I d- just do not think so. I mean, especially looking at these player prop numbers. For instance, Gerard is minus 175 for over two and a half threes. Well. <laughs> I mean, that tells you right there they're expecting him to go absolutely crazy. No, I mean, it's, it's so hard to say, though, because you – you're at a point with this Louisville team where you can expect the loss tonight, but you really don't know what kind of team is going to show up. Like, what version of Louisville shows up? Is it the version that we saw at Miami that's that's playing hard, diving after balls, doing all that stuff? Or is it the kind of lethargic version that we've seen the last couple of weeks? I mean, that is the biggest question mark, I think, is which is sad, but it, it, the question mark isn't are they going to get things right to a point where they're like, they, they, they won seven games in a row. It's do they at some point just wilt and just kind of give up because they've lost so much? They're now one and eight in the conference. They have played like it is crazy how the schedule balances out. They've played basically every good or good ish team in the ACC this month. And then next month, they're going to get a bunch of the bad teams in the ACC. They're going to start playing the Syracuses, the Boston Colleges, the Georgia Techs, the, the Notre Dames, the world. And a couple of those teams they get twice. They, they get BC. Uh, Syracuse and somebody else, uh, Georgia Tech. No, we only play them once. We get they, they get BC and Syracuse twice. Uh, they'll get uh, Boston College for, or I mean Virginia Tech for the second time. Who's okay? Uh, and they'll get Notre Dame and Pitt, who's not great. Florida State playing better than the ACC, but not great. So maybe this will balance out a little bit. 
But I think the issue is, have they been beaten down so badly? I mean, we're talking about a team that's not just 1-8 in the conference. But since the calendar flipped to 2024, they've got one win, and all of their losses besides an 89-83 home loss to NC State have come by 13 points or more. Like, they're not... They're getting their ass kicked every time they're out there on the floor. And at some point, that just has to take a toll on you mentally, and your effort level will dwindle, your faith in your your coaching staff or your teammates will dwindle, and you'll see some just complete crap efforts. And, and I do think that you wonder if this team is starting to reach that breaking point. I hope not, because the effort level for the most part has remained pretty good. There are some things that happen, and you're like, eh, that's just kind of it's kind of excusable. But for the most part, the guys typically play hard. They just don't know what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, I, I, it's something to keep on an eye on tonight because Clemson's going to come out. I, there's no way they overlook you. They know that you kept them out of the NCAA tournament last year. And I'm sure Brad Brownell's message is, hey, you let these guys hang around a little bit. They could wind up keeping you out of the NCAA tournament again this year. We cannot afford a quadrant four loss at home this late in the season. We've got to pick ourselves up off the mat and, and start winning some conference games and get on a hot streak. So you'll get Clemson's best effort tonight. And I think their best effort is significantly better than the best punch you can throw. If Louisville were to win, what quad is it? Quad one? It's a quad one victory. Because okay. you know, Clemson, is a, it's a road win over a top, I think quad one wins on the road are like top 50 teams. And they're 28 in the net ranking. So, yeah. And look, Louisville already has a quad one win this year. We have we have more Miami. Quad, Miami is a that's quad, a quad one win. Quad one win, even it, despite what they've done lately. There's, it's still it's a road victory over a, a top fifty or seventy. Well, that I think can seventy five. That can drop down, right? It can. If it they, can if they keep to, dropping, yeah. it could end, eventually go down to a quad two. But as of right now, it's a quad one win. We have more quad one wins than Auburn does. How about that? Maybe no big deal. Start taking a little harder look at us, Lenardi. Now we do have a couple quad three and quad four. Now you could, you could thank my Hoosiers for that. Well, yeah. What, what are you gonna do? <laughs> It's all good. Uh, but that is the game tonight. Again, at 9 o'clock ACC Network. You can listen to the, uh, the the radio coverage on our sister station, 970 WGTK. The Thornton's text line is uh, 502-414-1450. A couple people have texted in about the, 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 the Kansas City story. And Texas, I'm guessing anti-freeze in the Gatorade. Maybe. Texas, the Kansas City Chiefs fan murder will probably end up on a parade float when they win. I would hope not. Texas, William Avery is guilty AF. Mm, I don't know. The documentary definitely left out some details that made me feel sketchy about it. I, I still think it's like 50-50 that he was involved in some way. I, the story that they laid out can, can, like just can't be what happened. But he definitely, he's a weird dude. He had some weird stuff in his past. And he openly like going after this woman and like, kind of stalking her a little bit and calling for her personally is very strange. Like there's some weird stuff. But the whole Avery family was just like they, they, I'm yeah. like these are the weirdest people. Like, it, it does take until you see a documentary like this that you're like these people exist somewhere. Was that Wisconsin or Minnesota? It was Wisconsin. Yeah. They had the Minnesota accent though. They yeah, they did. They said He did the uh I used to do a really good Stephen Avery impersonation. I don't, <laughs> I don't even know if I still can, so I don't even want to try. My favorite thing about when, when I worked in so I worked in a small town in Iowa, but it was like Western Iowa, a newspaper. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of people were from it, like big Vikings fans out there. It's very close to Minnesota. And they all had the accent. And Go on, some moose. And I, I'm like sitting there like trying to write in the newsroom. And my favorite thing is they would always start a question with the word say. Like like the woman would be on the <laughs> phone and she'd be like, 
Hey, this is Ashley from the Carol Ta- Daily Times Herald. Say, would you happen to say, and I would laugh every single time. They're like, what are you laughing about? I'm like, you guys say say before every single question. Like, say, you wouldn't happen to know where this would come. And I'm like, this is hilarious. Like, get the hell out of my room. No, no, say. That's so horrible. They're like the nicest people in the entire world. Oh, though. yeah. And the, the best part about working in a small town was they put like a little blurb in the paper my first day there. About how like hey like he's gonna be covering sports with us for the in doing some like 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 political stuff and some other, I was I was kind of doing a lot of stuff but I was mainly focused on sports and so I would go to cover a game and like everybody knew who I was like <laughs> like everybody, everybody read this paper this is 06, so it's I think probably changed a little bit out there since since, since then but like everyone would come up to me and like want to talk about like U of L and like sports stuff and you know what I thought about the city and hey come to this bar with us and come do that. it was great it was awesome it was, it was very very fun. Uh, I also did get to interview, like, I covered like a political race out there, which was very cool. And uh, the, the guy who I ended up covering won, which was kind of, and it's, 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 he's become a pretty big politician in Iowa. Now I know how you know so much about the caucuses. Well, it wasn't a caucus year there. It was not a presidential election year. So, but yeah, it, it, they, they get a lot of attention when, during presidential years, for sure. Texas hashtag where there's a will, there's a Wade. Start the movement, Mike. <laughs> uh, yeah. Texture says, uh, these dudes in Kansas City OD'd. I bet the dude just kept using for the next days and was hoping that it was all a dream. It, de- I mean, it has to be drugs. That's a good scenario. Yeah. I can see that being true, too. He also says it'll take six to eight weeks for toxicology results on the KC. It's a long time. Man. It is. Yeah, I mean, you asked about the percentage of the, the guy like not knowing what was going on or not having any involvement, and I said like 5%. I think the percentage of no drugs being involved is like, Point five. Yeah. There's got to be, you. it has to be something like yeah. that. Like it just like hot shot. Texas says the golf overthrow. Oh God. Why? Why? <laughs> why? The golf overthrow right before halftime was huge too. It reminded me of plumber being too excited and throwing too hard when you can just loft it. Easier said than done. First woodworking class was awesome. I don't know about the pressure for a pits in 1939. Hitler was storming around Europe at the time. No Pygmalion fans of the Big XA. I think that's all reaction to yesterday's show. That's a, It's got to be a podcast listener just getting a, a, rea- a full reaction to everything that was discussed over the course of three hours. So, cool. Texas says there's apparently 10 coaches that have won multiple national championships since 1980. I got to nine. Go. Basketball? Multiple coaches, 10 coaches since 1980 that have won multiple national. T- I mean, does that count Denny Crum? 1886. What was the starting year? He said since 1980. Yeah, I'd have to count Crum then, right? So yeah. Crum, K. Crum, K. Roy Williams. Patino, Williams. Bill Self. Bill Self. Billy Donovan. Jay Wright. Jay Wright won more than one? He won two. 2016 and 2018. That's right, yeah. Um, not Cal Perry. Who are we forgetting? Uh, um, Jim Calhoun. Oh, Calhoun, yeah. The other two UConn cha- have been Ollie and Hurley winning one. Um, Bennett? Has he won two? Tony Bennett's won one. Oh, this is good. I know this is boring radio, but this is going to drive me crazy now. We're at Same. eight. Um, I'm trying to think of like, it has to be somebody from like the 80s that I've, I'm just forgetting that won multiple national titles. Because 90s, no. Oh my gosh. Who? Patino? We no. Said, we said we Patino. Said Patino. Yeah. 
There's a very obvious one, though. Who's my team? Indiana. Bob Knight. Bob Knight. 81-87. and uh, and we're, I guess we're, I can't believe it took me that long. We're forgetting one now. So that's nine. Yeah. College basketball. Now I'm just have to look it up. Wonder if we named the one that he couldn't think of. Maybe. Um. Shesky Williams Wright, uh, Calhoun, Crum, Donovan, uh, Dean Smith. Oh, Dean Smith. Yeah. Was that the answer? I was thinking North Carolina, but I couldn't remember if. I, I guess what. Ninety three and he won one in, in the eighties too, didn't he? Mm-hmm. He had to. Have. He's on the list or no? He's on, he won, he's won two in his, his career. It has to be Dean Smith. Yeah, we'll roll with it. Yeah, because he won. You know, they won with Jordan. Correct. And he won ninety three too. Okay. So, yeah. Um, yeah, national champions in eighty two and ninety three. So there you go. That's Dean Smith's the last one. No, we should have gotten Dean Smith. That's give bad. us give us a harder question next time, Texter. That's bad. That's well, we had to. Look we up smoked Dean Smith. that. Whatever. You had to look up Dean Smith. You didn't know Dean. You didn't say <laughs> Dean Smith. Either. We both had to look it up. It's on us. That's terrible. Uh, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll take some text from you guys. We we'll have about twenty minutes of uh, text time. Five zero two four one four fourteen fifty, and then we'll make some predictions for tonight, including. Our prediction for Louisville on the road taking on Clemson. Get ready for that. Get excited. It's the Mike Weatherford Show, and it wraps up next here on I do like this song, though. I like the Wallflowers period. I'm a Jacob Dillon fan. We'll back in. Final segment here of the Tuesday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show. 1459 won the Big X. Congrats to Bilal Powell, former UofL football great. One of my favorite UofL players of all time. Uh, was a fantastic running back for the Cards, specifically in the 2010 season, Charlie Strong's first year, where he was the face of the program. He's back in town now after his professional career has, has ended, and he was, uh, I guess, signed up to the coaching staff at St. X now. Nice. Be cool if it was Trinity, but... Whatever. Congrats to you, Bilal. Love you. You know, I saw that picture today, and I didn't even realize it was Bilal. He's on the staff. He's joining the, the Kevin Wallace staff out, out there at St. X, and hopefully he can funnel some great players to Louisville, but not as good as Trinity's players. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, Scoots, uh, I know you're a golf guy. We played uh, together back in in August at the Big X Golf Scramble. Here in Louisville, we, first of all, have you been to the Top Golf? Oh, in, yeah. In oh, Louisville? yeah. Yeah, of course. Been there a couple times. It's Several a great. times, yeah. I, we all know how much of a struggle it was to get this uh, approved and to finally get it. It was years and years of you know, getting over the debates about how badly it was going to affect. You know, the lights were so too bright for the, the residents in the area, and finally it got, got the go-ahead, and we finally got it up, and now people are loving Topgolf. Mm-hmm. It may have opened the floodgates, because now I just saw the news. We're going to get a five-iron golf downtown. I don't know if you're familiar with five-iron. No. Basically, it's like this big, gigantic indoor golf facility where – They've got a bunch of simulators. You can play, you know, 
single rounds. You can have parties there. They have kids' parties there. You can play in leagues. They do club fitting. They do in, you know, individual instruction. There's like putting greens there, like real life putting greens, like real life. It, it's a like they're they're in like five bigger cities, and apparently we're going to get one downtown now. So that'll be a, a, another cool, innovative golf experience for a lot of people to go digest. Maybe they, I don't know if they were spurred on by the success that Top Golf has had here so far, but another big golf place, indoor golf facility is coming to Louisville. It's called Five Iron. Five Iron Golf is is the. Huh. I, I know they have them like Chicago and New York and a couple of other cities. Uh, I've heard of it. I've never actually seen it, but it's basically like. You know, we have a couple of places that have simulators here in the city. I know a couple of country clubs do as well. Elk Run, but this, where we went for this. Uh, Elk Run is a simulator. Yeah, they cool. have two of them. Yeah, I know Audubon has one. I've been there. There's the place in Middletown. I've been there and played. Simulators are kind of hit and miss for me. Putting sucks on the simulator. Yeah, I, just, I hate it. I've never played on one, mostly just because I don't know. I don't know if I can get behind the validity of it. Uh, like, that, that's is me. my ball actually going where it would have gone out in the real course? I know there's science behind it, and I know that it's it, it works, but like. The, the couple times that I've done it, I'm like, that didn't feel like a slice at all. Like, you know, <laughs> I, I just refuse to believe that that's actually where it's going. And it's also just so hard to like get a feel for your swing when you're just hitting it. I don't know. Yeah. I, I didn't enjoy myself, but it, it, I mean, I did enjoy myself. I just felt like it wasn't. I, I didn't. My golf game was bad. Well, hopefully, this place's uh, roof is better than the Tiger Woods and Rory place. We'll see. We'll see. But that's a a cool thing for Louisville. Nice to get new things and. Uh, nice to see downtown getting a hopefully a cool thing which can bring in some more people to that area. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. We'll take some text from you guys. We got about uh, yeah, 20 minutes to get your text in and then we'll make some predictions for tonight. Got a couple bets to hand out. I knew I shouldn't have been bragging about like doing so well with college basketball betting <laughs> over the weekend cuz last night I did make the two bets. I lost them both. I thought oh. BT would be would, would either beat Duke or cover the three and a half. They lost by 10. Uh and then I was playing, I mean, which I shouldn't be doing. MEAC basketball had one bet. I was like, yeah, the team uh, in the Southland, I mean, teams in the Southland have been terrible on the road. I'm just going to go with a with with a with a home underdog to cut and they got blown out. So it was 0 for 2 last night. I went bad. with uh Texas plus 4 and a half and I woke up to this notification this morning and said I won my bet. Checked the score and saw they won by f- or lost by 4. I was like, "Oh my gosh." Yeah. I love gambling. Yeah. I mean, it was uh, I, I I did a parlay too where I did part of the Duke thing. I did Houston money line to win, which they did in overtime, and didn't matter because Duke won by ten, which very disappointed in that. That was one of the ones where I watched the first half. I'm like, yeah, eh, I still feel good about VT in the second half. And I went back to put John to sleep. Came out and like Duke was just what was sort of the rolling. line on seven and a half? Duke Virginia Tech mm-hmm. three and a half. That's it. I thought VC would go. Holy smokes! Yeah. Uh, Duke won by ten. That's bad. But okay, what are you gonna do? Houston does uh, hang hold off uh, Texas on the road. Number fourteen in the country prevails, seventy six seventy two. It was a couple good games. I mean, the one good game. It's a big week for the Patinos too. I saw Rick Bose writing about this today. You've got Richard Patino in New Mexico. They've got the highest ranking that they've had in like eleven years. And then you've got this week as well, St. John's taking on Patino's new arch rival in Danny Hurley in UConn. They played a close game early in the year. And now Hurley and Patino have had this kind of war of words back and forth. And Patino's like, we're not going to play you at Madison Square Garden anymore. We're going to go to Carneseca. And <laughs> I, I was talking to one of his relatives a couple weeks ago. I'm like, does, does, do you guys like hate Hurley now more than you hated Calipari? And he's like, oh, no. I think Rick's just bored. <laughs> he's, like, <laughs> he's like, I think I think he just wants to pick. He's just picking fights. I don't know why he keeps talking about Danny, but he's going after him. But I'm sure they'll get excited for that game this week. I think that's on um, Saturday. Yeah, UConn, New Mexico's got a couple big games. New Mexico's fun to watch, too. If you're late night, FS1, 1030 game, 
they got some really good players, and Richard's having a, a really good year out there. Not number 19 in the country now, and the Mountain West is just a fun league. Texture says, Scoots, what are your thoughts on the Steelers hiring Arthur Smith as the offensive coordinator? I didn't see that. Oh, yeah. How it's, today? I mean, it's got to be better than Matt Canada, so I like it. All I know is uh, like the, the tight end for the Steelers was trending all over Twitter because everyone Friar was like— Muth? No, not, not him, the other oh. one. Everyone was like, take this guy in your fantasy football draft next year because Arthur Smith just bleeping loves tight ends. So, Who was it? I can't think Something of Washington. One. I can only think of Fryermuth. I don't know who it was, but they, somebody was going crazy. Moral of the story, it doesn't matter who, who we have in our coaching staff. As long as we've got Mike Tomlin, I'm happy. Darnell Washington. Oh, okay. People were talking about him. Yeah, he had a he, he had an okay season. Texture says, I can't read it, guys. Texture says, is Mike saying he just wanted to do hood rat bleep with his friends? Pretty much. That was my entire <laughs> childhood. Just wanted to do hood rat bleep with my friends. Texture says, uh, can that many Kentucky fans read and write, or should I say read and spell? Good yes. one. Yes. Texas Scoots just got way too excited to find out that there's a Little Mermaid sequel about her sisters. No, I was just fascinated. I had no idea. There's all sorts of Little Mermaid stuff out there that I didn't know was around. Virginia's kind of off Little Mermaid now. She still likes Ariel a lot, but she it definitely goes in phases where she's like, she's big on Frozen one week, and then she's Little Mermaid, and then yeah. she really likes Tiana from Princess and the Frog. Does she watch the horse show? What's the horse show? Uh, My Little Pony? No. What's a Little My Little Pony? Gosh, I can't. Spirit. Isn't there a TV show, Spirit? I've never heard of that. It's a movie, and then I think they made it into a TV show. One of my buddies' daughters is obsessed with it. Yeah, not on our radar. Not on our radar. Keep it off. We've gotten, we're big into, you know, we're going to Disney World next month, mm-hmm. which we're very excited about. And she's gotten big into now. I don't think she really understood what Disney World was. She knows Disney on ice. And we had to kind of do a thing last year where we sort of lied about, she, like, so her cousin and the rest of Mary's family were going to Disney World. And like her and her cousin do everything together. Her cousin's at her house pretty much every day. Audrey. Audrey, exactly. <laughs> and John was like just too young. Like we didn't want to go to Disney World. Like, you know, it's one of those John was taking like two naps a day. He's one years old. Like you don't want to like go to the park and then have to come back and then go back. And like, right. just, it, it, like he's just too young to, to go. So we wanted to wait until now. But because we, we knew Virginia was going to like, hey, Audrey gets to do this cool thing. Like you're obsessed with Disney World. She gets to go, you don't. We were like, Disney on Ice is kind of like Disney World. It's basically the same thing. So she just sort of referred to that as Disney World. And that was, in her mind, Disney on Ice has been Disney World this whole time. And now we're kind of, she's figuring out that like, like, like Disney World and Disney on Ice are two entirely different things. Oh, yeah. And there's, she's, like, she's like, so is Disney World bigger than Disney on Ice? We're like, oh, yeah. It's, it's like, <laughs> it's the most Disney thing you can do. And so we've, we've, we've showed her some videos of like Magic Kingdom and Hollywood Studios. And, and so now she's like, she acts like she has a list. She can't write yet. But she's like, she's like, She's like, I definitely want to do this. And she like marks it down her little list, like this mini, mini Mickey ride and all this stuff. It's very cute. She's she's getting very excited about it, which makes me excited. Texture says, uh, next question. Obviously, it had to be pretty good for Scoots, or he would not have been fulfilling his part in the deal. But how was it for the ex-girlfriend? Short. <laughs> Quick. I mean, I don't want to get too graphic, but when when it is part of like a business deal. I'm assuming it is more of just like, yeah. hey, let's, oh. let's let's get this done. I had a job to do. I don't like working. I was there to get my <laughs> job done, and that's it. I mean, look, there were times. I mean, I've I've been in this situation. I would assume people listening have been in that situation before, where we're, like we're trying to get pregnant, and you, there's only a certain time of the month where you know she's ovulating and like you, you, there's a little bit of a window and there were times during that process where I think neither one of us really felt like we weren't feeling very romantic and it's 
it's very much not a romantic act at that point, but it's like, hey, we have to do this. Like, yeah. we're trying to have a kid, right. and clock's ticking here. Let's get going. And, like, I, I, I assume it was probably kind of the same thing. Oh, it's yeah. like, let's just, no, I, I, there's I, a job to be done. I walked in the door. I didn't talk to any coworkers before getting started. Like, I just went straight into my office, knocked out my work, went home. It's hilarious. It's like the Seinfeld episode where Elaine's getting dumb because she can't have sex, and she's like, Jerry, like, trying to convince Jerry to do it. She's like, you can read the paper through the whole thing. <laughs> Texas says Jerome Tang, please, would bring some fire back. He definitely would. Uh, I mean, that's the... Wouldn't anybody bring fire, though, at this point? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a different level. Like, some of these... Co- like, like, we've talked about it a million times now. There's not a coach out there that checks every box, unless you're talking about Jay Wright, which is not, not going to happen. So, th- there's going to be a give and a take with every guy that you hire. Like, Jerome Tang, limited sample size. Had a great year last year, is having an okay the year this year. Those are his only two seasons as a head coach. Who knows how successful he's going to be if he's at Louisville for the next 20 years. What you do know is that he's got charisma, he's got swagger, he's going to do a lot of calling out. He's gonna, you know, I can see him and Calipari getting into it. He's going to win the press conference when he gets introduced as the new head coach. All that good stuff. You contrast that with a guy like Scott Drew, who's got the track record. He's won national title at Baylor. He's been number one seed at Baylor multiple times. Like They've been really good for a long time now. But he's going to be more laid back. He's not going to, you know, come out here and, and scream and yell and, you know, take shots at people. He's going to be kind of by the book and very. Like, so it's it's going to be different with whoever you hire. There are going to be some things that you just don't like and some things that you have to accentuate if you want to talk yourself into the hire. That's the way it's going to be. Texture says, Mike, were you aware that you were going to what seems to be, uh, yeah, some of the ads. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I get it. I, I, I get it. I can't read your text, but I get it. Text says, uh, Scoots is great. Thanks. You're great. He liked your Survivor uh, talk last week. See how that's done, suck, or Scoots hater? If you're nice to me, I'm nice to you. I can't read the last part of his text, though, but he, we'll, we'll leave it at Scoots is great. <laughs> Texas says, just a thought. I hope you can entertain it. I'm in my 20s, and the NC State Jimmy V title run is historically one of the sport's biggest known stories. But my whole life, they've had... Uh, They've had Manila folder below average coaches. Are they the school that has least capitalized on success historically? Yeah. Without, I mean, if you look at very few programs have won multiple national titles in men's college basketball. I guess the best program to compare them to would be Florida. You can easily say, well, look, they caught lightning in a bottle for a very brief time. They won back-to-back national titles. And since then, what have they really done? But, I mean, they'd been to, you know, Lon Kruger took them to a Final Four in the 90s. They've had teams that have been, you know, they were the number one overall seed in 2014. Since Billy Donovan left, they haven't been as good, but that's kind of comes to the territory. NC State's a program that, like, they are, regardless of what Dave Doran says, I know he got mad about when the statement was made this season, they're a basketball school. They prioritize basketball. That state cares about basketball as much as any besides Kentucky and Indiana. They have been basically a non-player in the sport since like we've been growing up. They had I mean, a couple, even when they have runs to the Sweet 16 or the, the second weekend, they're doing it as, as like a six-seed or a five-seed. It's very rare that they're like a legit, viewed as a legit national title contender. Mm-hmm. And Kevin Keats, who I love, has been just okay. Um, you know, Herb Sendek was good, not great. Uh, every other coach they've had has been Sidney Lowe was was not great. Like they they just they they haven't had great coaches. 
And it is weird that they never ascended to like could really be a realistic threat on an annual basis to North Carolina Duke. I think the texture's on spot on. Texas says, I'd say almost say Notre Dame is our biggest ACC rival across all sports. Not football. But I'm in the ACC. That's why I said not football. I mean, we've been basketball, not really a rivalry. I mean, a little bit. We've had some good games, but not women's basketball has been the sport where they've been the biggest rival, I'd say. And they, you know, they've fallen off. Now they're back. But they were Muffin McGraw and Jeff Wallace had a good back and forth there for a while. Um, is Muffet still there? No, she's gone. She retired. I think it's like a sport by sport deal. Honestly, like Pitt volleyball and Louisville volleyball are clearly yeah. the biggest rivals in the conference. They've had a great back and forth. You know, baseball. We had a good thing with Clemson for a little bit. It's hard to have, have a really good I mean, base rival in baseball. Like our biggest rivals are Vandy and Kentucky, two non-conference teams. Um, it, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's more of a sport by sport deal, which kind of sucks. Texas, first of all, props on the tweet sound clip on uh, the must bust momentum. Is this nitpicking? to now be concerned on if Muss is the right guy for us because of his worst year in recent memory, and it comes from the roster overhaul from the portal. I feel the same way that we need to stay away from Beard, but struggling to come up with a top three. If choosing a coach with baggage will tolerate NCAA violations over Beard's baggage, I fear this hire will be the next splintering of the fan base. I'm with you on that. I, mean, I think there's a very it's a very different conversation to talk about a coach with baggage breaking rules in the NCAA and a coach with baggage who was at one point accused of a domestic violence situation. Those are two very, very different things. Um, but, I mean, again, people are going to keep harping on the fact that the charges were dropped and you know the, the fiancé recanted her story and her story changed and Musses, I mean, Beard's never changed. And you know, it, it, I don't know if it's a conversation even worth having because I don't know how realistic a candidate Beard is. But if it comes out that he's being targeted by Josh and he's interested, then we will certainly have to dive into that for sure. Um, the must bust stuff is, it would be, if he gets the Louisville job, it's bad timing for both of us because he is going to be coming off of his worst season in a long time, either at Arkansas or Nevada. And I, I mean, there's a very re- realistic chance that we're going to hire a coach who's coming off of a eh, type season, mm-hmm. just because a lot of the guys who came into the season viewed as, as top tier contenders are not having great runs. And so maybe one of those deals where we have to say, hey, look, let's look at the totality of this. Let's not just look at a recency bias type situation. Texas Wake Forest is a hilarious rival because they are so pretentious and also kind of insecure because they aren't Duke. No one puts more stock into the U.S. News and World Report rankings than Wake Forest fans. It drives <laughs> them crazy that Louisville's in the ACC, which is great. They do. I mean, of all the great universities in the ACC, I feel like Wake Forest points to its academic prowess more frequently than anybody which is hilarious because they're behind Carolina, they're behind Duke, they're behind some other schools, and they they act like they're basically Harvard because they suck at sports, by and large. And it just it's it's so beneath them that Louisville's in the ACC. This, oh, Urban University. <laughs> Wake Forest can suck. Texter says, uh, the only thing that makes sense in this Kansas City story is that they took bad drugs or overdosed, and the guy who was sleeping also took a lot of drugs and was just in a depressive, disbelieving state over two days, hoping it would just go away or someone else would find them. If he did kill them, he did nothing to cover it up, which wouldn't make sense to behave like that. I think that's it's the most logical yeah, conclusion, for, for sure. sure. Texas, hey, the cards pulled it out by 10 as heavy dogs last year. Now L. Ellis went for 28, and he's gone, and Trainer is out, but hey, keep hope alive. Did L score 28 in that game last year? Remember the remember the, 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 the dunk at the end of the game where Clemson fans got all butthurt because L. Ellis dunked <laughs> up? And it was like, come on, woof. 
We're like three and twenty-five at this point. Just let us have this. have the moment. Yeah. Get over it. Texas, hey Mike, I almost always see eye to eye with you on your takes and opinions, but Vanderpump Rules. Don't knock it till you've watched it. My sister, I tried to get my sister to watch it, and she's like, "I hate all these people." I'm like, "That's the point." <laughs> there's nobody. On the, there's like one or two people that I could maybe tolerate if I knew them in real life, but. Seeing these people live this way, it makes you feel better about yourself. Like, who are these human beings? They, they all just sleep with each other. They all lie about it. They're all awful human beings. And there's never any sort of, like, realization. You, you always think, like, after they've watched the show themselves, they're going to go to these reunions. They're going to be like, I, I, I'm, I'm shocked. Because it's reality, saw. right? And they just double down. Yeah, they're, they're all just terrible people for the most part. <laughs> Texture says, uh, is this a Bourbon and Beyond theme? Yes. Don't worry, I nailed that. <laughs> Texas, oh, the guy who, who po- po- posed the question of the 10 coaches that have won multiple national titles since 1980 said Billy Donovan was the one that he couldn't remember. Oh, come on. I can see how that one just kind of, you're thinking of big time programs and, you know, all these, these huge coaches. Like Donovan is, it was kind of a lightning strike, and then now he's gone. So I can see how you would forget Billy Donovan. Well, props up to you for getting Bobby Knight because as an Indiana fan, I forgot that one. Texter says, was the hatred between Cal and Patino personal or was it just competitive? Oh, it was both. Like anybody who tells you that it was feigned hatred between Patino and Calipari, like they just they've got no insight in the situation. Like I could like as someone who had a good relationship with Rick and who knew a lot of people very close to them and still like liked a lot of those people, like they would tell you every like Patino hated Cal. Like just it, it ate at him what he was doing at Kentucky when he was here. He hated the comparison that that Cal came up and was like a little Patino. And then when he started having the same level of success as Rick when he was at UMass, that that's when the divide between them really started happening. And I, I think that you know, Patino kind of psyched himself out playing Kentucky. Like he wanted to win the Kentucky game so badly that everybody felt his pent-up nervousness and just like that whole week. And I think it made everybody play tight in those games. And also, they also just had the better team than us a lot, which is the forgotten. It's become this deal where everyone's like, oh, we always lost to them even though we had better teams. Eh, Kentucky was favored in the vast majority of those games. We just didn't beat them the few times that we were favored, and we never beat them when we weren't supposed to, which was annoying, for sure. Texas Mike, I remember at one point before it was legalized, you said you wanted to stay away from sports betting. It sounds like you're addicted now. Welcome <laughs> to the dark side. Yeah, I, always, I mean, I always bet horses, but I always wanted to stay. I, I, am, I do put limits on myself because I, I, I have an addicted personality where like, it's, something's never enough. Yeah. So I have, to very, I have to very much make sure that I never bet like, – this amount on this thing or that like we're doing this on one certain night so yeah i, I have a checks and balances system for sure Texas says wait you have to feel romantic to do the deed don't tell my wife <laughs> you don't have to clearly <laughs> Texas scooch is very much growing on me i hope he's being well compensated for pulling double duty i'm being well compensated as well compensated as anybody can be in sports radio uh, yeah exactly <laughs> there, there's a cap it's a relative term <laughs> yeah but scoots, you are. I mean, I think you're, you're you're growing on a lot of people. I've had a lot of people who are like, yeah, you could, took some to get used to, but I love scoots. It changes hard. We all love scoots. Texture says, uh, "Hey, my K scoots. Say, guys, did you all, did, <laughs> did did I hear y'all talking earlier that scoots took a lesbian couple he was trying to impregnate <laughs> to a restaurant with a chicken bleep as its mascot? LMAO. <laughs> That's the exact story of what happened." <laughs> Texture says uh, Tang has zero experience. Well, that's not true. He's got uh, he's got a year and a half experience. Yeah, I don't, I don't. Well, I guess if we're using Kenny Payne standards, then he's got he's got half a year. I don't like. I wouldn't like the Tang hire. 
I'm not. I, I've been hesitant to say that so far. I just, I do not think that's the guy. I'm not 100% sold on it. It, it, it would, I'm not saying it could work out. It, it couldn't work out, I mean. I'm saying it's a big guess when you're coming off of a hire who was a massive guess, yeah. which blew up in your face. There's no time for guesses. You're going to have to guess a little bit with, cause, yeah. because there's not a Rick Patino out there to hire, but. A guy who's only coached two seasons and one of those seasons has been like just okay, like that's. I, I don't know, I I I'm definitely apprehensive for for Jerome Tang. Like I like him personally. Mm-hmm. I think culturally he's a great fit for for what we want. Like the the swag and again like the getting everybody excited and, and having a guy who's had success with the transfer portal already. Like I like all of that. He's easy to root for, but is he a guy that? Ten years from now, you're talking about he's won national title here, or he's in the running for national titles. I don't know. Texture says, uh, Mike, if you take the kids to, before they're three to Disney, they get in for free. Something to think about. Um, I should preface that I mean Disney World. If you take the kids before they're three, they get in for free. That's what. Yeah, John, we got him. It's good. Come on, uh, Virginia will have to pay. <laughs> Texture says, Wang's out for Tang's out. There we go. <laughs> that's the that's the rallying cry uh, tonight. Get a couple games uh, of note on the college basketball docket before we pick the Louisville game. Top 25 matchup in uh, Fort Worth, 7 o'clock on ESPN2, number 15, Texas Tech, Grant McCaslin. Uh, we haven't done a coach of the day either. I just realized that. Taking on TCU, number 25. TCU is a four-and-a-half-point home favorite. Scoots, who you like? Oh, McCaslin covers that. Scoots, give me a name, uh, number – give me give me a number 45 through 65. 62. Oh, this is actually a good one. Your candidate of the day. He struggled at a power conference program. He made the move. I mean, people were talking about this guy being the DePaul head coach. We had this debate last week. We had this discussion last week. Bryce Drew's got it rolling at Grand Canyon. Oh, there you go. He crushed it at uh, Valpo. Didn't was probably a year away from getting it going at Vandy. They fired him. I think a season too early. And now he's been nothing but great at Grand Canyon. He's got a team that's 19-2, and two, best record in college basketball, 9-1 and one in their conference. Rolling back to the NCAA tournament, he's made City Curry a contributor. Bryce Drew, your coaching candidate. He related day. to Scott? Brother? His brother, yeah. Their, their dad guess, was Homer. I uh, guess if I think about it, they look look identical. Yeah, they, they, he played at Valpo for his dad. Their Ma- dad's name was Homer? Homer Drew. That's awesome. You don't remember Homer Drew? No. Remember Bryce Drew made the big shot in the NCAA tournament at the no. buzzer to beat Ole Miss? But Homer, Homer's an awesome name. Come on, man. Come on. Uh, tonight, 9 o'clock on the ACC Network, Louisville taking on Clemson. Cars are 16-point dogs. Scoots, how does this one play out? I unfortunately do not think the cards cover in this one. I just, I, 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 like I told you earlier, I don't really know what team to expect to come out, but Clemson coming off that loss, yeah. probably feel like they got hosed in that one. I just, I, I think they're going to be a hornet's nest. I hope I'm wrong for the millionth time that I'm saying this on the show. Clemson 80, Louisville 62. Regardless, we're talking about it tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Enjoy your Tuesday nights. Go Vanderpump Rules. Go Cards. Beat Clemson. Go Hoosiers. Go Hoosiers. Go Cards. Go Ariana. Go Trey. Sports Talk, 1450 and 96.1 FM. The Big X Sports Radio, WXVW, Jeffersonville.